0: The following podcast is proudly brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen. And also use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 30% off all Windows keys and die shrink to get 3% off everything else at CDKeyOffer.com. All right, on with the show. To Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And uh, this is the part two series for the end of 2021. Looking forward to 2022. I believe last year our guest was part of it. But I think what I did is talk about 2020, less so than the next year, which back then would have been 2021. And just so it happens, though, the way this podcast works is, of course, there's a guest episode, a Dan News episode. The way the cycle was working, though, it was supposed to be Dan's turn. (laughs) And so I didn't want to, like, figure out some way... And it would have landed, it was gonna land perfectly so that the first news episode was the first week of the year, too, when I get back to work. So I thought what would be fun though is, you know, first of all, I do all the news episodes with Dan. So he's already easy to do a look back at 2021 with. And instead of just kind of talking about rumors, me and Dan have already talked about a dozen times before, I thought it would be fun if I kind of organized the notes that are out there both for me and other places online and get a Outside person's opinion on what's actually probably going to be exciting this year if it all turns out to be correct. So yeah, David does tech stuff is here again. Why don't you uh introduce yourself to everybody who you are if they don't know?
1: Hello, I'm I'm David. I I do tech stuff. <laughs> I guess that's about as much information as you need. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here because it's always this is the third time, the third year in a row that mm-hmm. we're doing this series. And it's it's always fun to get the chat to like the, the leak guy about all of the leaks so yeah i'm I'm excited
0: is that what i am i'm the leak guy <laughs> i mean that's how i know you i know you as the leak guy <laughs> yeah it's funny i guess that's i think that's what most people think of me as now it's just it's so funny in 2019 i thought of myself as just another one of those people that either does text off or for yells about the latest release and then just over time it was like you know if i just put a little more effort into this and Talk actually try to reach out and talk with people every other week. Maybe I can actually learn about what's coming out in a few years, you know. Um uh how would you describe your channel at this point? I mean, it's grown so much from when I first I don't even remember how I first found you. It's probably one of those videos looking at budget graphics cards on Amazon, including like a GT710 that we can't believe is still sold yeah. for like over a hundred dollars. Like, yeah, like, crazy. what is, how would you describe the tech stuff you do now? Well,
1: I, so at the moment I, I try and just do tech on things that I can buy myself at shops, which at the, at this moment is, is quite, you know, it, it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of random things because it's, you can't just go and buy graphics cards and whatever. So yeah, I I try and review and just kind of play with hardware that is available and uh yeah i just try and make it into a video that's fun to watch
0: like yeah. <laughs> how does that work then do you just it, it, do a lot of them just come from suggestions to you from amazon or you like walk into a computer store and it's like well what is that does that actually do what it says it does that's often how it works and it's usually just like this thing looks really stupid. Let me
1: see if it's actually as dumb as I think it is or 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 if it's actually good. Uh so it, it, it it's not that I'm looking for good stuff. It's usually mm-hmm. bad stuff that catches my attention. Uh that's how I ended up doing a lot of videos on pre-builds. I've mm-hmm. I've done a lot of videos on pre-builds lately, and they're really interesting because they're they're just such weird combinations of hardware often, you know? So it's 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 fun to look at
0: those abominations. So like pre-built at like a store that has like a pawn shop, like used computers, or is it like pre-built that you'll just go to random websites and see how good of a job they do? Like you're, what are most of your recent pre you've looked at? Where'd they come from?
1: Uh, so they're often OEM pre because mm-hmm. those are are usually the worst <laughs> out, out of the, yeah. the various options that you can get. Uh, and a bunch of them are like Amazon sellers and then like local PC stores will have their own mm-hmm. kind of just lines and lineups of, of, of pre-builds. So then I'll buy those and see how they stack up. The local shop ones are actually usually the best. Yeah. And I've also had a look at a bunch of AliExpress ones, which were surprisingly good, actually. AliExpress is a decent place to get a pre from, apparently.
0: Um, yeah. So, so when you say like, OEM ones, you mean like, Dell, HP, Lenovo, those types of places. Like, are they getting better or worse? Because I know in the early 2000s, at least Dell in my experience was just bad if it was a desktop. Well, honestly, anything they made in the 2000s, I thought was pretty terrible. Yeah. But like, are they getting better? C- compared to the 2000s? No. <laughs> there, I actually
1: recently compared a Compact, which is the brand that mm-hmm. HP was, uh, and it's way better than modern HP prebuilt in the sense that they don't have a bunch of weird proprietary form factors in them or they didn't have a bunch of weird proprietary form factors in them, which is a huge problem at the moment. So it means that you can't like upgrade this stuff mm-hmm. easily in terms of like motherboards and cases and power supplies. Uh, so Dell is is very bad at that. Uh, HP is a little bit better. I think Dell's probably the worst still <laughs> like they yeah they're they're not good.
0: Well, so before, I, I, we've actually done something fun, I think, for today, like I said, where, you know, I'll kind of go through the things coming out next year and see what you think of them. But okay. I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least start with this, though. I mean, of all of the things, so many releases in 2021 and so many rumors about things in 2022. But like, I don't know. Let me see the mid-range RDNA 2 Ampere, Cezanne, Alder Lake. Apple, M1 Maxim Pro, Van Gogh. Well, Van Gogh technically hasn't come out yet because yeah. Steam Deck has been delayed. Yeah. Um, NVIDIA blocked from buying ARM. And then just the torrents of leaks from every company about what's coming in the next few years. I mean, which one of the like big news stories or releases from this year is the most exciting to you? Or which few things? You know, I'm not going to limit you to one. Uh, I-, I think it's probably Alder Lake,
1: the desktop launch, just because... You know, it, it was that point where AMD overtook Intel like ages ago, and then they were just so far ahead with a lot of stuff that it was really difficult for Intel to catch up. And now it's at the point where these two companies are just going at each other for the performance crown. And that's always amazing because at the end of the day, like the consumer wins in a situation like that because they keep needing to, to push the mm-hmm. boundaries of performance. So that was that was a really a really awesome launch to see. Almost uh, the
0: only awesome launch of this year in terms, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've had fun talking about all of the launches, but in yeah. the terms of like, you could buy it, it took performance crowns. And I think people underestimated it, unlike other things, which, I don't know what, every graphics card released this year is pretty much exactly what I think we expected. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah, it really has been. Uh, it's basically just been no availability. Although again, with you know, with a lot of this stuff, the best and most reliable way to get your hands on it was through pre-builds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think pretty much every GPU I've gotten this year has, has been through one of those. Uh, but yeah, they, they've been just as expected. Although, like you said, with the Alder Lake launch, it, the CPUs have been available, but I found that like, DDR4 motherboards for, you know, like z 690 motherboards have been a problem mm-hmm. to get hold of. And that's a problem because DDR5 isn't available, it's just widely available. So most of the motherboards don't have RAM available for them. So the actual CPUs were available, but I don't know how easy it was to actually get your hands on a functioning Alder Lake desktop system
0: whereas of late. ddr itself is going down in price again finally for the first yes. time in honestly years i yeah i mean i'm still i think we talked about it the last time you were on i'm still using the ram i got with Skylake in 2016. Uh, it's 3200 megahertz overclocked at 3600 megahertz i got it for 63 dollars for 16 gigabytes in 2016. And it's like, why don't you upgrade your RAM? It's like it's still not actually cheaper than what I got five years ago. So I'll just maybe I'll wait until DDR5 is more ubiquitous. You know, on that note though, I do remember before Alder Lake came out, talking to you know, because I've been doing Alder Lake leaks for years, talking to people before the launch, and they're like, they they're it's going to support DDR4 and DDR5. We think we're going to probably do. Mostly DDR4 motherboards, actually, and then like a month before launch, they were like, "Never mind, we're going to do DDR5 because everyone's paying more money for everything right now." <laughs> I wonder if they switched to DDR5, overproduced those motherboards, and then kind of overestimated how much people would just buy the newest thing.
1: Yeah, th- th- that's an interesting point, actually, because like it, in in all of the shops that I've gone to, none of them have had actual DDR5 availability, and there was one DDR4 uh, Z690 board available of the five major PC shops that I go to in Vancouver. So it's like, yeah, they, 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 they must have gotten some estimate wrong there because uh, even Corsair was struggling to get availability for RAM to sample to mm-hmm. people, you know? So it's like, you know it's bad when even sampling is, is a problem. Uh, for like videos and stuff, um, so yeah, you know, someone someone did some some wrong calculation there about what what to do with the motherboards for older
0: like, you know, again, this you say this is your most the launch you're most excited about from this year, so and I think we can feel that too. I think going into twenty twenty one, there was just this. Precipitous drop off in interest from everyone towards every tech channel, like it was, you could feel it. And something about Alder Lake and the upcoming arc release is making people excited again. I think I'm noticing a lot more interest rising again on a lot of tech channels, at least mine. You know, I've noticed that in a lot of the ones I follow. Uh, would you recommend Alder Lake then over like Zen 3, assuming you can get a, the right motherboard? So. The, the the problem with with Alder Lake is
1: the platform, in my opinion, because the motherboards that are available are very expensive, and it means that unless you're going for like a high end CPU, something like a, like an i nine or or, mm-hmm. or even even, even an i seven, uh, the motherboards don't really make sense to pair with an i five. So I think unless you're 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 really going ham for the hardware that you're buying, I think Zen three is still a better option. Just because of the fact that you can buy like a solid B550 motherboard for under two hundred dollars, and it's you know you can actually find that stuff, and you don't have to worry about RAM compatibility and things like that. So I actually think for most shoppers, mm-hmm. Zen three is actually still the better option.
0: Just For like of, if you're getting a fi- if you're looking at things like a 5600x or now the 5800x is cheaper at a lot of websites, like stuff like that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that situation, you may not be getting the same performance, but it, you know it's it, you're going to be paying a lot less money and it's going to mm. be easier to get the stuff so yeah i think zen 2 is still a good option and zen 3 <laughs> uh, zen 3 so i meant zen 3 <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah yeah no it's funny before but uh, the way i've always kind of I, my opinion on alder lake has been if you're going all out at least in where i when i've checked the availability of Alder Lake hasn't seemed that bad here. I I guess I haven't checked the motherboards, though. The CPUs, you can easily get them right now. In fact, the i7 at Micro Center is now, I think, $350 or $300, which is absolutely insane for that eight-core Alder Lake. But um, the only thing I would say about that recommendation is, I just don't recommend someone get a B550 and a 5950X for $800, I think. Yes. But I no, think that's no, no. what you said. If you're going all out, Alder Lake is kind of the obvious choice now.
1: Yeah, because they also have a bunch of new technologies in, in Z690, things like PCIe uh, 5. And, you know, there's, there's, it, it is a really good platform but I think for the premium enthusiast. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. definitely don't buy a budget B550 board for a high end, like for a 5950X. That's that's,
0: that's probably not going to go very well. I've seen a lot of people in the comments talking about that. But yeah, I, I guess I didn't even finish my thought though. Is it's like, I've seen a lot of, I remember when Alder Lake came out and so many people were like, I can't wait for AMD to drop prices. And I think I did several videos where I'm like, I don't think they're going to, <laughs> you know. I think they can just get away with not lowering prices because, honestly, I think you still if you, if you go to AMD's obviously Micro Center has the Amazon prices drifted down. But if I go to AMD's AMD.com right now, the fifty nine fifty X is sold out. The fifty nine hundred X is sold out, and most of these are sold out. I think they just know during the holiday season there's almost no point in lowering prices because it's all going to yeah. sell out anyways.
1: Yeah, especially at the moment, like it's if they lower prices,
0: somebody's probably going to scalp it. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Not to mention another big point I had was you have to think Alder Lake's being produced in shipping now. And what's the pro- a big problem right now? Logistics. Yeah. AMD CPUs are all on shelves before Alder Lake launched. So they didn't need to worry about the recent rising shipping costs nearly as much as Intel. They knew that. Yeah, I mean you can order an in, Intel CPU, it's going to get there in January if you want it though. Yeah. So let's let's move on to a couple opening reader mails before we get into the products for next year. Uh, okay. The first one here it talks about availability, and we're starting to get on that subject. Timo H writes in, now that 2021 has been a year of paper launches in the sense that either the price is too high or store shelves are empty, at least it feels like fake launches to me. Can TSMC, AMD, NVIDIA, and Intel join forces and finally feed the demand in 2022? And... Let me see. Refresh with new low end MSRPs and results in lower pricing levels that have risen to new minimums. Can they fix this or at least charter flights that I know are way more expensive for, to get here in time? DG2 looks promising like everything else coming out next year, but so far belongs to me in that same refresh fake paper launch category until it is actually on store shelves with a reasonable price. And I I did write some notes here first, I guess I'll get to, which it's just, I think my answer is can. I mean, I broke that story that NVIDIA had stopped Ampere production in October, which is very abnormal for a holiday season. No company does that. (laughs) You know, and I, I think the substrate issue should, which was the main bottleneck, just one of the components for the wafers, I think that should be fixed by quarter two. So I think they can. I think the question is, will they? I mean, do you expect things to get better next year? And it's like, I'm almost over worrying about answering this question because everyone's going to get mad if we get it wrong. But it's like, oh, get over it. Like, let's just talk. We're, we're not. Do you think things will get better sooner or later next year? Do you think people are becoming overly pessimistic about when the shortages will get better? Or do you think that, I don't know, maybe they're underestimating it?
1: Well like you said this it's purely speculative at this point I think it 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 could be fixed in January next year it could happen 3 years from now it is it is really all up in the air but um I I am usually by default quite pessimistic about this kind of stuff I I am not it it, it just feels like because there are still so many people that are willing to pay so much mm. over MSRP for stuff that as long as that kind of exists, it's gonna be really difficult for companies to drop prices because why why would you? You know, if somebody if some if you know it's it's the, the, the prices are the way that they are because people seem to be buying this stuff up even at ridiculous markups. So yeah, I'm I'm in the pessimistic camp that I feel like it it may take quite a while. Uh, that being said, though, there are ways to get availability. You know, if mm-hmm. even even if you can't walk into a shop and like buy a thing off a shelf, just like a loose graphics card, or y- you can still find a way to get your hands on things, like buying buying a pre-built PC and slowly upgrading it over time. Getting rid of even if you even if you have to buy a Dell, which is a terrifying prospect, but even <laughs> if you have to go that route, uh, you can. You know, slowly turn that into an awesome system, which I've been chatting to people on Discord over this year that have gone through that process, mm-hmm. and it's still it's a really interesting way about building up your own system. So, even if even if availability is problematic next year, which I think it may be for a while, mm-hmm. um, there are ways around that. You can you can fi- you can find ways to 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 buy to buy graphics cards. Even like I said, if you have to buy a <laughs> Dell.
0: <laughs> yeah and it's like i think we've all got to acknowledge that availability is getting better if i go to new at least it depends on the product but if i go to new right now the 6700 xt is in stock it is for a thousand dollars yes it's just it's going to take a month of everyone who was willing to buckle and pay double MSRP to get their cards and be done paying. They, they, yeah. These distributors need to see a month of the sales dropping like a clip, off a cliff before they even consider lowering prices, I think, because it's in their best interest to keep the prices as high as they can until yeah. RDNA 3 and Lovelace come out, because then they can just say, oh, but these new prices aren't that bad, right? Yeah, no, and, and the thing is,
1: you know, they're running a business. If if mm-hmm. someone's willing to pay three times the MSRP for it, that's kind of its market value, right? Because people are, are it's it's all sold out even at those prices. But it's interesting that you mentioned the RDNA2 GP, uh, GPUs because the more mid-range ones seem to be in stock, like again, at the Mm -hmm. local shops, this is purely anecdotal, but even at the local shops, I walk in and there are actually like RX 6600 and 6600 XDs and stuff on the shelves, but they are selling for a huge amount. So AMD's kind of uh, like the distributors have found a way to actually price themselves out of the scalpocalypse, which (laughs) I, I think that's quite funny to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, and I think I covered that like Navi 23, The way these things work is AMD buys up wafer capacity from TSMC really years ahead of time. And they say these wafers are going to be used for RDNA 2. It's even hard for them to change over which dies they're going to make because they lay down the groundwork and they're like, okay, so this week is when we're going to do a run of Navi 21 cards. And they plan that months ahead of time. My understanding is that in quarter three, they decided to shift a lot more to Navi 23 because it's less than half the die size of Navi 21. And they're like, at least let's get cards out there. And what I'm hearing is they're going to double low in capacity again for Navi 24, which should be half the die size of that next year. So I can't promise you there'll be a price we want, but I can tell you, like you've gotten into stores. They are making them. It's just, yeah. they're not going to be MSRP until people stop buying them above MSRP. Yeah, that's which, definitely the problem. Yeah. Do you remember when the 6600 XT launched there was actually like a whole day it was in stock at MSRP like that yeah. was the one day of the year where it was like I hope you guys are paying attention this is the one chance to get something
1: Yeah, yeah but th- it was such a it was such a lukewarm product launch though because it was it was basically like the only reason that this is appealing at all is because you don't have a better option <laughs> you know that's kind of that's kind of how it felt uh when it came out it's like you're going to buy it because what else are you going to get?
0: hmm Well, so let's start getting into the 2022 releases. I think I want to start with what is likely to be the first things to be announced. So CES is coming first week of January, as always. And if we remember, I think Cezanne was announced the last one. Renoir, the one before that. And I believe Rembrandt from AMD will be announced as well. And I'm expecting... Tiger Lake, or not Tiger Lake, Alder Lake Mobile, and other things to be announced around then as well. Maybe we'll get some concrete information officially from ARC that's not a leak. We'll see. B Fish writes in, what gets me excited about 2022 releases are use cases which just weren't possible before. Potentially decent gaming performance on a laptop with integrated graphics with Rembrandt, Intel doing similar things at a better price point and at a wider availability with Alder Lake. Those Tiger Lake U-chips were everywhere and Alder Lake looks head and shoulders better, especially in terms of yields. Maybe ray tracing actually being worth the performance hit is also what I'm looking forward to. So of the mobile releases will probably get announced in quarter one, David. I don't know if you've if there's anything that comes to mind that you're expecting excited about or not like like Rembrandt Alder Lake low-end maybe desktop Alder Lake that's also a thing too that we'll probably see like which one of these maybe excites you uh
1: like the mobile launches I think are are, are interesting because with the with Cezon, like the previous generation of or well the current generation of, mm-hmm. of AMD uh, mobile GPUs like that they're so good oh, mobile CPUs they're so good and it'll be interesting to see how Intel responds to that because AMD has, it, it's just, they've just launched such amazing products and it'll be interesting to see how AMD betters that. So I think those are going to be huge launches because laptops are also one of the the ways in which mm-hmm. you can still get hold of a gaming system these days, you know? Like, and the more powerful they get, the better alternative, a better an alternative they are to a desktop a desktop system. So. Yeah, I think both of these, the the both of these mobile, uh, CPU launches are going to be awesome.
0: Well, and, and let me. Wouldn't you say? I don't know what you think, but like, as much as it seems like, and I see the reports on this all the time, like the desktop OEM build quality is just horrific. Wouldn't you say laptop build quality is getting like crazy good though? Oh, like for compared sure. to yeah. before. Like I mean, I don't. I mean, just six years ago, laptops from HP and Dell were. I mean, they're horrible. Yeah. I mean, compared yeah. to like, uh, and now it's like, eh, they're using pretty similar build quality, if not better than Apple. I mean, the, my NV15 has a, co- a all copper heat sink and liquid metal on the CPU. And they did that because they were like, it was actually cheaper to just do good cooling than to use the more expensive CPU we found. Yeah. You know, and they come with OLED screens now half the time. Um, but I I think more and more people are, underestimating how much more of a good idea it is to just get a laptop i mean the whole point of a desktop is it's cheaper right
1: yeah yeah and and the thing is even in terms of build quality even more budget options from like hp in terms of laptops are are really well made and they're and they're awesome options that are often on sale you know you can get a bunch of the the current gen laptops on sale from places like Best Buy at the moment, and they perform really well. like they're they offer a really good gaming experience. So it'll be interesting to see, you know how how more powerful hardware stacks up because, like you said, build quality and things like that has been improving so much that laptops are are just such a viable option at the moment,
0: yeah. I'm looking at like available at laptops on Amazon right now, which I guess, this probably isn't the perfect time to look for good price performance considering it's one week before Christmas. And so I'm sure yeah. this is like when nothing <laughs> is really on sale anymore. Um, but I mean, you can get a 3060 laptop, it seems for about 1200. And that's maybe, it depends, right? Obviously, if it's the Max yeah. Q version, it's going to be a lot weaker than the desktop one. But I've seen the Max P ones actually be within about 10% of the desktop 3060. And that's not that, yeah. Okay, so here's one. Here's like 1100 bucks. It has, let's see, I don't even know what this i5 is, though, because I never know what Intel's calling an i5 or an i7 in terms of yes. core count on laptop anymore. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's so confusing.
0: <laughs> but I think they have a tw- uh, 12 thread. So that's 12 threads of Tiger Lake, a 3060. That's not that bad for that much. You're not building a desktop with a graphics card for that price <laughs> easily, you know, for $1,100. Yeah, and then you can go game in a Starbucks. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It'll Yeah. <laughs> you can just, ca- or, or like a, I've done this before where I'll just like pull out a controller and start playing Battlefield on my laptop waiting to get on a plane. Like I'll yeah. <laughs> just jump in a multiplayer room using the free Wi-Fi in the airport. Um, so and I actually, I also think there's another reason to be a little excited about laptop releases early next year. And that's that talking to OEM uh, sources at HP and Dell, like they're planning to really push Nvidia kind of out of their low end laptops with Arc cuz of how much cheaper they're getting similar low end Arc graphics cards for that are probably comparable to like a 3050 mobile in performance. What's oh, interesting okay. about that then is I when in, if I remember correctly when Nvidia announced the 3060 laptop edition, they said under a thousand dollars. I that's not really what happened. Usually those are 3050 TIs. I suspect they're gonna start offering OEMs those graphics cards for a lot less money once they get competition from Intel. Yeah, like it's it's always the case that competition just
1: means that these companies can't do what they just get away with anything anymore. Uh so that's awesome. And the and the the amazing thing about laptops as well is that they're not viable for a lot of the reasons why graphics cards are sold out. You mm-hmm. know, things like mining and stuff like that, you can't really use a laptop for. So it'll be interesting to see as Intel provides competition in that space, how much more performance we're going to get at a sub thousand um, dollars. But I mean, the 3050 Ti, in terms of like desktop GPU, where does that performance lie? Is it?
0: Um, uh, it's so, okay. It's honestly about a 1660. Okay. But pretty good. But it only has four gigs of RAM. So okay. that kind of negates Oof, some yeah. of it because a lot of games now do need more than four gigabytes. And they're like, well, it can do ray tracing though. And it's like, yeah, but ray tracing uses a lot of memory. So yeah. it really can't do ray tracing. And it's, let's be honest, probably not strong enough to do that. It can do DLSS though, which I suppose is a selling point for a low-end laptop. But... Yeah, it's, it's really the four gigabytes that makes it kind of <laughs> questionable, but I think what they're planning to do, and this and some of this is hunched, some of this is from what I can tell, is there's a desktop 3050 coming out that should be based on the same die as the laptop 3050 Ti, possibly with more of its CUDA cores actually enabled on desktop with eight gigabytes of RAM. I suspect they're doing this because they know if they get pushed out of low-end laptop, especially, I mean, like Rembrandt's going to be as strong as like a 1650 Max-Q possibly. Like, so there's no need for low-end NVIDIA graphics cards and laptops yeah. anymore, at least not the recent ones. I think they're preparing desktop low-end cards because if they can't sell them into laptop channels, they're like, well, we got to do something with these dies. So again, I, I actually think, like you say, at competition, I think people are underestimating how much it might heat up in the low-end early next year you know that's that's really like i i'm i
1: like i said i'm always skeptical initially but we'll see how this turns out because that is really awesome like the low end is a space that has needed competition for a long time uh especially in terms of gpus you know it's it's been pretty barren for ages so if this if this is how this this turns out that'll be just so exciting, I think, and it'll 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 help bring people back into the space as well because it'll it'll make it viable to like buy more budget ended hardware, which is let's face it, what most people buy. I think you know it's that's a that's a, that's a very common point of entry for for gaming systems.
0: The only thing I'm gonna say though before we get excited is is it is is all relative. The reason AMD sold the sixty six hundred XT for three hundred and eighty dollars was because they knew that if they even kept the MSRP close to that, it would blow everything else on the street out of the water. And it's not that exciting that they basically launched fifty-seven hundred XT performance with better efficiency and for twenty dollars less. What is it yeah. then? A year later, or no? It'd be like a year and a half after the fifty-seven hundred XT. I know that's not that exciting. That's the only thing I want to prepare people for for these low-end launches. Is I don't expect them to be magical. I think it's very clear that. Well, I don't honestly, back in 2010, almost every graphics card had pretty competitive price performance. Like I remember the 7.9, this is, I guess, 2012, but I remember the 7.970 selling for about $500, about double the price of a 7.850 for about double the performance of a 7.850. And then you had $100, 7.750s. I don't remember any segment a decade ago really being that bad price performance, except for maybe the top one. And I think over time, we've seen the mid range become better price performance, but and the low end was, but I, I just kind of feel like all of these companies are going to clearly push the best relative price performance in quotes to about the $500 to $600 range because they know that's what people are willing to pay. And it's the only thing I'm warning people about Navi 24 launching, Arc and the 3050 is I'm not confident they'll look great relative to previous cards that. Were that price during the last mining bust, not mining boom. Like we're being honest. Navi 24 is probably going to be a $200 RX 590 with only four gigabytes of RAM. It's not that crazy. Okay. It uses (laughs) half the energy. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I mean, what do you think about that though? I just, I don't know if we just have to like make our peace with the fact that low end cards aren't going to be as good price performance anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that is the really disappointing thing because it, you know, where, where is progress? It really feels like this is, this is the like you're saying, the first time in ages where like just having a product available is kind of, mm-hmm. you, is winning the race. Basically. I think
0: the last like, launch was like, what? A like, 5500 XT or something? Like what was the yeah. last low on card? Yeah, like it's, the, the,
1: the 1650 was also exciting ages ago and that wasn't particularly exciting either. Mm-hmm. It was also just exciting because it was a... 75 watt gpu that was more powerful than any 75 watt gpu before then uh but uh, like it, it, it is really difficult to be like this is exciting considering that we may have stock available but compared to you know previous generations it's it's basically the same thing i i think we had this conversation last year mm. about how the 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 thing that is going to kind of revolutionized performance in or it seems like it's going to in the lower end is in the iGPU front mm-hmm. because that is one of the places where you can get like much lower system cost and you don't have to pay for like a PCB and all of that stuff so it's like you can get more performance potentially for less mm-hmm. money if i so i think that's going to be the place where we see huge strides in performance things like the RDNA 2 iGPUs and stuff like that uh, which will be more exciting. But then again, they're not going to compete with like the 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 3050 and that kind of thing. So
0: yeah, I think well, and it all comes down to what they actually charge for them, because this is the problem, you know. Those Saison APUs are like 180 millimeters squared, monolithic dies, yields on them I've heard are like like basically like they just stop making the four core version because they don't need to disable them down to four cores ever. Like the yields are excellent. Um okay. Yet they're selling them for like $350 on desktop. And I want to put things in perspective. So think about this. This is a monolithic 180 millimeter square die. There's no fan on it besides the fan you put on the motherboard. That's a lot cheaper than the fan on a graphics card. 350 that's like, that's $30 less than a 6600 XT that has a 237 millimeter square die and a much more expensive cooling system than that little APU. They're making a killing on these APUs on desktop yeah. right now. That's my only problem is, as I remember when these APUs were $150 and if Rembrandt was $150 on desktop, which there's no reason it couldn't be, like they'd make plenty of profit. I would be more excited. I just think a lot of the times now, I'm just mostly excited for these APUs for laptop because I'm just not convinced they want to charge, especially when there's, Maybe they'll have to because now Intel has good CPUs. The other problem was that Saison APU was about as good at gaming as a the 5800X. So they didn't even know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking here like at the moment,
1: you can get a 5600G, which, you know, it's, it's a 6-core, 12-thread CPU for 290 Canadian dollars is what it's selling for on Amazon at the moment. And that has a Vega... So this doesn't have the Vega three in it. This has the Vega. I believe it.
0: I'm pretty sure this has seven compute units or something. If I remember off the top of my head. Um, Where is it? Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't even have the full die. (laughs) It has less compute (laughs) units than the Steam Deck. I'm not that impressed that this is selling for the same price as an (laughs) I-5-12600K. Yeah, no,
1: that's true. And I mean, the thing is, the CPU that it's attached to is good, like, is, but like you said, the actual iGPU. And I was, I was quite disappointed with this launch Mm -hmm. because Cezanne, you mean? Yeah. Well, in terms of desktop Cezanne, because it's still got a Vega iGPU in it. I was really hoping that we were going to get a newer architecture. I know that it's like a, it's like a refinement of it, but. Yeah. It it's it's
0: a powerful iGPU in terms of iGPUs, but... In terms of it has no competition. Yes, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, that's it, true. It, and this is the thing I keep telling people is it just kind of seems like AMD is taking a page out of Intel's playbook and realizing it doesn't really benefit them to make a mega APU. Like, if you look at their 12 nanometer APUs, those went up to, I believe, like 200... above 200 millimeters squared, you know, up 250 or more. There's no reason... Like, Navi24 is 16 compute units, 16 megabytes of Infinity Cache. There's no reason they couldn't fit that with eight cores in the same die size as their old, you know, whatever they were, uh, those 11 compute unit, 12 nanometer ones. There's no reason they couldn't do that right now. And that would, now with Infinity Cache, I mean, that would probably game, (laughs) it probably game twice as well as Saison, at least. And it's just, but... I just don't think they're bothering to do it because they know most of these APUs will be used in laptop, and they'll either be cut down and then be in a budget one, or they'll be paired with a graphics card. And so, why would we use this die space on a integrated graph, you know, on integrated graphics that really only benefits low end desktop? But we don't want. They haven't even launched an R 5 5600, let alone fifty five hundred X yet. They don't want to. They don't want low end CPUs. Yeah. They want you to pay more. And I mean. I wonder to what extent that also
1: has to do with uh, the fact that they're supplying APUs for both Microsoft and Sony. Because mm-hmm. if you provide a a powerful alternative to those companies, then it, it kind of makes the consoles, it, it kind of competes with the consoles. So and and they they then have to compete in terms of supply because they're i mean t- how 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 much difficulty are they having actually supplying these igpus or or just these apus for sony and microsoft already so mm-hmm. how much like how much uh, availability do they have left to spare for the desktop space mm-hmm. i'm sure they they've got pretty serious contracts with those companies oh yeah that that kind of limit the extent to which they they can supply that stuff, uh, it'll be interesting to see to what extent that is one of the reasons that, that they they are holding back in terms of the the desktop APU space because yeah, they're making so much money supplying to to Sony and Microsoft that yeah, you,
0: you know, I feel like we're just kind of dancing around the fact that. When AMD was making APUs that were priced lower on desktop and relatively powerful, because, again, like eight Vega compute units, I think if you look at the die shots, it's like a fourth of the die is grabbed. Like, they're not trying to make a powerful yeah. APU. It just so <laughs> happens that Intel can't even compete with that right now. Yeah. Right. I I, I just... When AMD was making these APUs that approached the performance of an RX 550, for example, and had a four-core, eight-thread CPU with Zen 1 and was $150 or less, like I don't think we can stop dancing around the fact that the reason they were doing that is because they had to to compete with Intel and NVIDIA, and now they don't. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and in until Intel has either an i3 with 96 execution units, which right now all their desktop stuff has only 32, or I I guess I don't know if the quad core i3s will. They might actually. I wonder. It'd be be hilarious if Intel all of a sudden made the best budget APU on desktop. Yeah, that'd Um, be awesome. though yeah with Alder Lake, Um, like until you have Intel really going for it, like launching a one fifty dollar Arc six gigabyte card. Like I've leaked, they could. Until they actually do that, I just don't think AMD wants to launch a Rembrandt for 150 that probably outperforms the 5800X.
1: So at the end of the day competition is what we need. We need these companies fighting each other not us basically.
0: Like, yeah and I think it's all going to come down to maybe they will bring Rembrandt below Zen 4 because that's where they'll be like, well yeah, this isn't as strong as Zen 4 so we'll we'll release this to desktop because now it's now it's justified. Happy holidays, everybody. Today's piece of content is sponsored by CDKeyOffers.com. This holiday season, I think there's a lot of things you might be shopping for when it comes to software, whether it's the latest PlayStation, Steam, Origin, or other gaming platform games, or if it's a key for Windows 10 Professional, Windows 11, or even Office 2021, to get gaming next year with a new build, or maybe to just stay productive at work. No matter what you need, whether it's for work or play CD Key offers has you covered for a reasonable Price And in fact, you can save even more money than what you're seeing on screen if you use these offer codes that help Moore's Law Zed if you use them. Broken Silicon gets you 30% off Windows keys, and Shrink gets you 3% off everything on the website, including games. So whether you're looking for a piece of software to occupy your leisure time over this holiday season, or you're looking for a reasonably priced Microsoft software, which usually, let's be honest, they're just not... Go to cdkeyoffers.com today, use the link in the description, and, well, have a good holiday season where you don't overspend thanks to cdkeyoffers.com. I mean, let's just switch right back to that. Speaking of competition, like, I don't even remember what we said last year. I think I already had a leak out about the top ARC graphics card at the end of last year that was pretty close to what it actually is. What what did you expect out of ARC early 2021 and what are you expecting now?
1: Um well, I mean, it 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 always seemed like the initial the initial launch for that was gonna be essentially an OEM display adapter more than a graphics card, which was which was kind of what we got. I mean, there was there was a couple of pre launched with with one of those little little, little baby Intel GPUs <laughs> in it. Yes, there we go. There we go. Yeah, um, dg1 you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it, I, I don't know, like, I, <laughs> I I really hope that it's that, that it's going to be good, and that it actually provides some reasonable competition. But, you know, at, at this point, I, I feel like we just need to wait and see. Because even if it does, like, to what extent are they going to be able to provide availability for something like that, even if it is good?
0: Well, so my what I can confirm, uh, and I couldn't confirm for a while, but I've finally been given the okay to, is I do know how much GDR6 Intel's been stockpiling since quarter three last year. And they've stockpiled enough for at least 200,000 graphics cards already. And that was just in quarter three. I don't know how much more they bought since then. <laughs> so okay. they're at least planning, it seems, to launch maybe half a million cards in the first half of next year. I don't know how, I don't know what the drivers, uh, the drivers will pan out. I think they probably will because they're a big company. You'd hope they could at least brute force their way to decent drivers. But I I think they actually uh, will be able to supply a lot of cards. And let's remember like Nvidia, it's, it's Samsung, but Nvidia just stopped making cards. Like they can make more cards. I don't think these fabs are the bottleneck anymore. I think the bottleneck is all types of random stuff. In fact, when I say all types of random stuff, let me give you a crazy anecdote I heard from someone at AMD. So I heard that when they were, I won't say which component, cause I can't, but I, I don't want to completely give it away, but they were testing an upcoming, like big uh, product coming out like late next year. And they were resorting to buying fans from Amazon to cool them because they couldn't get enough from Delta. <laughs> Okay. for prototype testing <laughs> oh wow okay so they were like literally those 20 dollar cpu fans you see like those those no-name ones they were just buying whatever they could find on amazon like in the labs at amd just so they could test prototypes like so that's what's the hold-up now as far as i can tell really is not fab capacity it, it's just random crap (laughs) like power components uh substrate to make the wafers like it's 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 a nightmare (laughs) honestly for them right now i think they wish they could be so lucky that it was just yelling at tsmc to make more stuff but like in the end talking to people at sony they're just like oh now this one power supply supplier had a boat that's stuck in a port so now we can't make more ps5s like these companies are not happy about that stuff and then at the same time I've also heard about warehouses of components being hoarded by, well, you know, people taking advantage of the situation. Like I've heard about a lot of people just stockpiling stuff people need because now is the time to do it and sell it only a little bit a week. So I, I don't know. I just, I guess what I'm saying is they can launch a lot if they want to. So I'm not really that worried about that. Um,
1: out, out of curiosity, who who is making the dies for Intel's up and coming GPUs? TSMC six T- TSMC nanometer. oh TSMC six nanometer okay oh wow TSMC is raking it in oh
0: <laughs> God. they are yeah. so rich now and and what I've heard is and what I'm told consistently is they're not even really at capacity that before the pandemic started they turned down capacity because they were like well the world's ending so we assume people will buy less stuff. No, wrong. Everyone's forced inside. They want to play video games. And so it actually takes about six months for them to up it again. So I think for the end of this year, they've been producing like twice as much stuff as they were previous quarters, because they just had to get that stuff online that they were like, kind of, I don't know if mothballing is the right way to put it, but they're just kind of shutting down some lines. And then immediately we're told don't do that. And they had to just reboot everything up. So yeah, TSMC, they're the winners of 2021. That's for sure.
1: Yeah are they a, Are they a publicly traded company? How do we How do we buy s- shares in? We <laughs> download the Robinhood app.
0: You know, I used to own shares in them. I don't anymore. But yeah, I think their stock prices. I don't even know. It's at least quadrupled in the past like couple of years. Oh wow! Like the <laughs> they're the Pfizer of Silicon. We'll yeah. Say. <laughs> but assuming there's a decent amount of, I'm trying to think of like possible scenarios to talk about this, like. Let's say, and you know, the GDR6 thing I told you, honestly, the amount of stock depends on how many of what model they make. Like if they're only making six and four gigabyte low end cards, they can make half a million. If they're only making high end cards that have 16 gigabytes of RAM, well, okay, well now now it's like 150,000, you know, now it's like about the same launch as the 6600 XT. But like, let's just say it's a mix and they launch, you know, let's, uh, if they launched 400,000, they would be launching based on my understanding is probably uh, it's so hard to say because there's so many different channels they sell these cards in but it seems like they would be selling triple or double what amd did in quarter three like let's say they drop that just in quarter one in addition to what amd and nvidia are selling like like how do you expect that to pan out do you think people will you buy one right away do you how much do you think that will help because I'm really wondering how much of this pent-up demand, how much of it's been satiated, because whether we like it or not, people are buying cards.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, I'd definitely buy one, but I I'm gonna do a video on it. So <laughs> like yeah. I don't know if I'm if if I'm the the best the the best kind of indicator for that kind of thing. Um I think it very much depends on how on on how the reviews pan out for these cards, because you know, you were mentioning drivers before. If they have big driver problems, people—that's that, really frustrating to deal with—and I think people mm-hmm. would would then be more reluctant to 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 buy the Intel cards. Although, if Intel has half a brain, which they're a massive company, so they probably do—they got uh, at least
0: to have a third of one. I mean, come they, on with all that at, money,
1: at least a third. They could they could buy several if they wanted to. Um, they they'd go back and kind of figure out what has gone wrong for launches for people in past, which. You know, AMD has had issues, well, NVIDIA as well, actually, everybody has driver issues Mm -hmm. uh, with with cards at launch. So if they recognize that as being a very important element to being competitive on the market, because, you know, they, in in terms of like software suites, um, software feature suites, I think that they're definitely going to kind of lag behind companies like AMD and NVIDIA, things like DLSS and like ray tracing and stuff. Like, I don't know, how many of those
0: i think of those things as wild cards i expect it to be better than most people expect because i like i don't think they're stupid i think they know you know they uh, from what i've heard ray tracing is actually at least as good as rdna2 relatively speaking you know like what does that even mean right as good as which card using how much energy and i think Xe super sampling might be good the thing i don't know is like how finished will their driver menus be? Like, that's the stuff I'm wondering. Like, we have Wattman. We have Shadowplay. We yeah, have yeah. Relive. We have Radeon Chill. We have, like, if I want to put in a custom desktop resolution, only NVIDIA allows you to do that at stop for, like, years. And then AMD added it. Will Intel have that? Because that's a major problem I have with basically all laptops is that even if you have an NVIDIA graphics card, you can only control the custom resolution through the frickin' integrated Intel. Is that going to be a problem on their desktop cards? I don't know.
1: No, for sure. Those, those quality of life things, which, you know, it, it, that's not a raw performance issue. And those things are, are, are very important. You know, if you if you're a content creator, for example, you need basic screen capturing to work and, you know, a company like Nvidia, like you were talking about Shadow Play and that stuff, works really well. So if if Intel doesn't provide a a decent alternative to that, then I think that they're gonna struggle. But you're you like you said, they're a smart company. Hopefully, hopefully they've put two and two together and they know they need to do that.
0: You know, I'll I'll say this, too. I don't think I put this in any, like, leak videos yet, but I've actually heard that their built-in overclocking suite might be very, very good. Like, we've seen Intel Extreme Tuner or whatever it is. I forgot. Uh, Basically, they might have that entire thing built in for the graphics card, like that fully featured overclocking, and that sounds awesome. Yeah. But I have heard a contact ask an Intel person, like, so what about uh, your shadow play or relive competitor and intel was like no comment (laughs) like that's what i'm worried about is yeah i i think everything we're talking about i'm not really worried about ray tracing XE super sampling i don't know if i'd say i'm worried i just don't know what to expect how good it will be um i assume it will at least be decent um it's i think one thing will fall short and if it's my guess it's probably their recording stuff that just oh, sounds like so something annoying. they haven't talked about <laughs> yet, though, right? We don't really see them talking about it. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure they'll have something. I'm sure they will. I'm sure yeah. they'll have something for a recording built in. But I I uh I use yeah, NVIDIA's uh, GeForce experience to record right now because I have a 3070. Before mm. that, I had a Radeon 7 and I used Relive. Man, those things work great. It's so yeah, convenient so well. for yeah. making videos for YouTube even, you know, that I would be scared to switch to Arc if I didn't know it had a fully featured recording software built in.
1: For sure. And if it if if it has a competitor to like the NVENC encoder, because the NVENC encoder is so powerful as well. Like it's such a useful thing.
0: Um I have heard that we should expect them to possibly be like factors of tens better at some encoding tasks, though. Oh, okay.
1: That's, That's promising.
0: Now, I, I don't. the problem is I don't know how much of their internal, like, they'll do these, like, Intel direct internal memos to employees, and they'll, like, show off. One of them, they beat a 3080 by a factor of 100. I don't know how cherry-picked that was. You can't oh, tell yeah. me that wasn't a cherry-picked <laughs> benchmark, though.
1: Yeah, Intel never cherry-picks benchmarks, yeah. though. They've never done that before, so.
0: <laughs> but if you think about how good their uh, integrated graphics encoder is, which, relatively speaking, is really good, I guess, scale that up times 100 in performance. That's kind of what I'm hoping we'll get um i but again will it work in every app will every app be patched to take make use of it when it comes out i don't know yet you know and, yeah and there are always teething problems
1: with a with with a new product launch even even if it's from a from a company that's been established in the space it's just you know the first couple of months maybe a bit rocky and then you know they'll they'll get there like if it's if if the hardware is decent then the software can follow you know they can eventually sort that stuff out uh, although Someone was talking about one of the, one of the b- big review channels was talking about how the, the day one reviews are the ones that are referenced mm-hmm. by everyone forever, basically. Like it, 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 Pretty so,
0: much, yeah. Like 80% of people only look at the day one review, if not 99%. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and, and that could be a, a big problem for Intel potentially if they do have some of these quality life of, of life issues with drivers and stuff um so yeah hopefully they figure that out
0: um so so that's the thing though i know that they've basically had prototypes run in games since three four months ago like they have that done my understanding though is that the whole reason it's not even out yet is there's they want the drivers to be perfect okay there's two ways to interpret that either that means they're a mess (laughs) <laughs> or that means they want them to be perfect. The truth's probably a bit of both, if I'm being honest. Yeah. You know, um like and I've heard about I, I of course won't say which games because it could give away people, but like some of the games they've done, like they did a there's a battlefield comparison one um where they were comparing the performance of one of their mid-range ones, not the top end. And it was competitive with like a 3060. But it wasn't the latest, or even the one before it, Battlefield. It was like a battle. I won't say which was a Battlefield from a while ago. Okay. And and like one of my congress raised his hand in the press, and the and the internal event was like, why are you using that game? They're like, oh, just you know. I'm like, I'm guessing it's because for some reason there's some critical error in Battlefield Five or something that they can't <laughs> fix, you know, or or
1: that Battlefield really likes Intel GPUs for some reason. That's just the highest performing. Yeah, it's like the one that that really hates Nvidia and really likes Intel. That's why they why they went that route.
0: Well, and you know, I've looked at I went to Notebook Check because I was <laughs> I was looking at me like various handheld gaming pc devices because i'm less interested in the steam deck and more interested in something that's like you know 3ds or psp sized because i don't feel like i'm ever going to use i'm not using steam deck to play halo competitively right yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like it's so i don't really need the performance what i need it is to run single player or indie games okay and i looked at the notebook performance of the existing tiger lake uh, APU that has 96 execution units just actually quite a bit it's actually about as strong as the MX450 and, and it was like in Grand Theft Auto 5 it's like oh wow 1080p medium settings at 60 frames if I remember correctly oh, but then good. I went Far Cry 6 won't boot Halo Infinite won't boot like I was like what the heck like and they're like dude this has been out for half a year Tiger Lake graphics like why is you can't boot Far Cry 6 really that's insane and that's what gives me pause though yeah, no, because I, so
1: with the, I, I've been playing a lot with the iGPUs in Alder Lake mm-hmm. um, and they have a bunch of weird issues as well. Like, for example, screen capturing. Just, I couldn't, I couldn't even get an external device to mm. screen capture the iGPUs footage for some reason. Like it, it's just, it the, all kinds of weird issues like that. So yeah, it's... We'll we'll just have to wait and see what software.
0: Well, and so I guess the thing I would say is, I think what we're seeing, and and, and a lot of this opinion comes, is informed by, again, talking to just, some of it's maybe just one data point or anecdotal, but it's it's still talking to like a dozen people who have these, you know, OEM, or not OEM, I should say pre-built companies, or maybe like a, not a mom and pop, but like a smaller one that. Sells like a thousand graphics cards a month and they do pre builds, like people like that. And yes, people are buying RDNA2 graphics cards above MSRP, but they're not willing to spend as much over MSRP as they are for NVIDIA. NVIDIA's mind share is still king when it comes to graphics cards. Yeah. And I was at the Carolina Game Summit um, and I actually did a couple streams from a room, a hotel room. Uh, that one of my friends had there, who's a distributor, and he had the room. My The entire background was a pile of 3090s and 37 DTIs. Oh, and I was like sitting on a chair I had constructed out of 3090 boxes. <laughs> and I did the live stream like that. Like, hey guys, they're making graphics cards. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, rem- I remember seeing that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like... The people at that event, the Carolina Games Summit, there were like maybe a dozen people there doing this. Like they they worked with their distributors at EVGA. They had got as many of these graphics cards as they could to sell in person at a game summit because they were like, we know these are going to gamers here. Mm-hmm. This is per person sales. And they were like, keep their graphics cards in their hotel room and then ferry down 20 at a time to the event center. So there's no way someone could steal a hundred graphics cards, you know, <laughs> which again, uh, these graphics cards are worth selling for two grand, hundred times two grand guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's $1,000 worth of merchandise. So he had, like, you had all these expensive things there. And he's like, here's the thing, the 6,700 XT, most of the time people will come into my store and go, oh, let me know if you get one for under 600. Oh, let me know if you get one you know, for five hundred, and it's like, but we're not going to. <laughs> we're try- like, we're paying more for them too, dude. Like, we can't get them for that much. And then, you know, like the six thousand eight hundred XT, and like, oh, if you can get one for under a thousand. When it came to the thirty seventy, they'd pay a thousand. When it came, and I saw it in person at that game, so people in a line buying thirty seventy TIs for twelve hundred dollars happily. What I'm kind of getting to is, I think what AMD's. Uh, and unfor- I would say a hard lesson, an unfortunate lesson, because I don't necessarily think it's fair. But I think an unfortunate lesson AMD's learning is that they can match the MSRP or or they can undercut NVIDIA less than they did before. Like the 290X was like half the price of a Titan. You know, they, they don't need to do that. They can just be 10, 20% cheaper and people will buy them. But they're not going to pay as much more for MSRP over MSRP as they will for NVIDIA. People just, I think when people, a lot of the enthusiasts... And I agree there is the percentage online is more willing to get AMD than in in the real world, as we might call it. But I do think that still, once you get to that enthusiast tier, they just kind of are more wanting NVIDIA. And I think the more you go down into the low end, the less they're willing to pay over MSRP. And I think that's where AMD is going to have to learn, and I'm guessing has learned by now, that whatever they end up doing, they can't expect people to buy they can't expect people to buy 6600 XT for like $1,000, even if people will buy like a 3060 for $1,000 or yeah. something. That they'll, and, and I think that's just true in general, though, too. The lower you get down in the product stack, who's looking for $300 graphics cards? Probably people less willing to be gouged.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think also, you know, with, with that space, like the real hardcore enthusiast is also not willing to be gouged at all. Like I, I, think the people who have been following the hardware space for a long time, the the idea of paying above MSRP is is sacrilege, which makes sense. You know, I I I, I, I do agree with that. Uh, so I think that they, considering that they may potentially anecdotally be AMD's demographic, that, that it's like more willing to buy AMD, that it's a bit of a double whammy. Not only are they budget budget buyers who are less willing to be uh, gouged, but they're also more in, in informed enthusiasts mm-hmm. that are also, you know, on top of that, less willing to be gouged
0: and and yeah, more more stubborn, like just yeah. not willing to give into it. And I think AMD fans are more stubborn about paying over MSRP. And uh, what I'm finally getting to is, I don't, I think Intel has an opening here where if they nail their drivers, if they have enough performance. You know, I'm under the impression they may launch a $500 card as strong as a 3070 Ti with double the RAM. Like, I think this is something we may be looking at. We and we may look at a $350 12 gigabyte card that's just maybe a hair weaker than a 6700 XT. Like, I think we could be seeing some pretty cool stuff. However, I hope Intel knows that well. Their mind share is probably going to work really well in OEM pre builts because they'll be like, "Ooh, an all Intel system." Yeah. That's the people buying pre built When it comes to selling on Newegg, I think Intel needs to understand that I don't think people are going to pay over MSRP for their cards. Uh, At least I think whatever you think of in terms, I suspect, I don't know, we'll see. Whatever you expect out of AMD fans' stubbornness or I guess people's stubbornness to buy an AMD card over MSRP, I think double that for Intel because they're so unproven.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point because especially if they have... Like initial launch reviews that are critical of software support, mm-hmm. people people are not gonna want to buy uh, those cards for for any markup because you know then you not only do you pay a bunch extra for it for an unproven product and you have to struggle with it like mm-hmm. that's yeah that's just not worth it. Um, you were saying just now they were selling thirty seventies for like a thousand two hundred dollars. 370 TIs. Oh, okay, thirty seven so, because you can buy uh. NZXT has like a build kit, which is like a mm-hmm. basically they just send you a box full of PC components and you build it yourself with a 3070 and a 5600X in it for a thousand seven hundred bucks. So <laughs> you get, <Yeah. laughs> you get a whole PC with the graphics card. And which you can like, at
0: least sell off half of it and you probably got it for 900 or something then. Yeah. 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 That's well, and you know, the wow. craziest one for me as well is the A-series cards and the W6000 professional cards, like no one should get a 3090 for four grand if the A6000 with 48 gigabytes of RAM and more CUDA cores is like 4,800. I'm like, at this point, dude, you're clearly <laughs> just willing to spend whatever. Get the, f- it's it's like gold plated. Get the biggest thing you can. <laughs> you can tell everyone you have 48 gigabytes of RAM and there's the A5000 for, with 24 gigabytes of RAM, which is based on the same die as, uh, the 3090, although it's probably closer to a 3080 in performance, a lot closer to that. But it, it's three grand. So it uses <laughs> it uses 230 watts too. It uses 100 watts less than the 3090. And I tested an A6000. No, nope, it's as strong as a 3080 Ti and it uses less than 300 watts. <laughs> it's really impressive, actually, how good those professional cards are.
1: Yeah, so we should all be buying Quadros, basically. Is the <laughs>
0: I mean, that's that's where we're at, honestly. I think, and I might even I just uh, tested the A four thousand. It's basically a sixteen gigabyte thirty sixty Ti that uses one hundred forty watts. It's it uses a single six pin. Uses no energy. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like it if you can get that for twelve hundred, I'm like. Well, you're getting ripped off for gaming, but at least you get 16 gigs of RAM and get to brag you have a, <laughs> you know, a professional graphics card. Um, but you know what? Speaking of expensive graphics cards, something I'm I'm going through the scripture that I think we should get to. There were rumors of a 3090 Ti for a while. And at first I was like, I mean, they can launch whatever they want, guys. It's the same die. You know, if they want to launch something 5% stronger, go for it. But I'm not talking about this. Because I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But, <laughs> but then I got info from OEMs that are like, no, we're literally specking out systems for a 450 watt card right now. I just want well, to know what you think about, <laughs> I mean, Ampere was already pushing power usage. <laughs> what do you think about 450 watts coming to a uh, desktop? Yeah, that's that's just insane.
1: Because, like, how how are they gonna get the graphics card to not explode with that kind of power draw? Because if you they are New- exploding right exactly, now. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you play New World with that thing, you are going to cause a. You just, it's going to cause a fission reaction. Like I, yeah, I don't know. That's that's a. I mean, they're gonna sell them. Like if they come out, a lot of people are gonna buy them. It doesn't. But. And there's yeah, rumors that's... of a
0: 3080 12 gigabyte, not 3080 Ti, 3080 12 gigabyte as well. So I think what they're doing is, as yields have gotten better, they're just gonna be like, yep, we're gonna launch the full die as a super as a 3089 Ti, and that's probably gonna be two grand if I had to guess. And then we're just gonna discontinue the 3090, and then we're gonna launch a 3080 12 gigabyte. Honestly, probably for like nine hundred to thousand dollars. <laughs> And then this is our way of upping prices and having stronger cards, because because I, I, that's going to be right when ARC launches. So they'll have to refresh their lineup for that. And that's also, I think, when we might get a six nanometer RDNA 2 refresh, at least in laptop. So I think we need to actually be ready for quite a few launches in the first half of next year.
1: I'll, I'll I'll be sure to make a video on a twelve year old graphics card that can't run any games
0: on those launch days, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> because just like, j- just completely meme it and do thirty ninety Ti versus GT three ten M. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it because... might literally be a hundred times stronger. I bet it is.
1: <laughs> if you if you can find a yeah yeah if you can find a game that has an engine that scales up enough to. To 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 really show that difference, because like with Half Life Two, for example, which is a game that it's I true, use a yeah. lot, yeah, which I I use a lot to 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 showcase lower end and older hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, do too. It, yeah, yeah, and because it, it it scales really well, but it tops out at three hundred frames per second, and then yep. So it's I use the <laughs> uh, Lost problem.
0: Coast uh, benchmark for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, of course, I but I I've, I've stopped doing that like a year ago because even integrated graphics were starting to push 300 (laughs) frames in that game
1: yeah i know for sure you need to you need to really dig hard to find a a a graphics card that can't properly run half-life 2
0: yeah the reason i actually brought up the 39 eti because i don't think the discussion about pricing or performance is really that interesting i think we probably agree there's almost no chance it's going to be 1500 like they're not going to slot this in where the old one is this is a chance to raise prices i think and I, don't, I think we know its performance at most will be ten percent better. Although, frankly, I think above five percent will almost surprise me. I mean, it's yeah. only so. I mean, the die is almost fully enabled already. They can add four percent more CUDA cores and about five percent more bandwidth. So I guess then they might push core clocks, and that's why it's four fifty watts. I guess looking at seven eight percent, and I, but. The the most interesting thing to talk about that card to me is, it, in your opinion, is 450 watts too much? And if it's not, what would be? If, if you had to guess, like, is there a point where I don't care how strong it is? With it, I'm just not telling people to buy this. Well, I, I feel
1: like even 350 is a lot. Like it if it at, at that point, you're you're getting to a situation where there are a lot of external factors that that uh that kind of affect the the system that you need to put the card in you know you need you need good enough airflow you need a decent power supply that's not going to struggle with that card and it's like 450s which, which counter- right now
0: aren't like 1000 watts sometimes struggling with the 3090 or like i think 750s definitely must be
1: yeah so i, I think it has more to do with how how like the, the the how just good the 12 volt rail is sure so if it if it's you know you can get like a lower wattage power supply that can handle it just because it's a beefcake power supply and <laughs> in, in terms of it's like it's 12 volt rail but yeah like a 450 watt graphics card is just gonna yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I, I feel like the type of person that's going to buy a card like that, it if those considerations don't really matter, you know, at that point, it's kind of an e purchase, right? It's, it's, oh, it's the biggest card they make. I, I have the biggest card. Yay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like...
0: Yeah, you know, I, I benchmarked against the A6000, which I was, you know, less than 300 watts, cool and quiet, and for the performance, which again was just so weird having that level of performance with it being silent and using under 300 watts. The 3080 Ti I benchmarked against it, which tied it, traded blows in, gra- in games, and. <laughs> I mean, I pushed overclocking a bit. I got like to 400 watts of power usage while pushing performance at maybe five, 7%. And I could have pushed it more, but I said, I just refuse to use more than 400 watts in my (laughs) DTX case. Like, this is absurd. that level of heat was just insane. And I have air conditioning guys listening. (laughs) Like, it wasn't even like just the air conditioning. It was like the air can, like, it still dumps heat next to you. <laughs> like yeah. it's not instantly being pulled into the vents. You know, like I, I just feel like the people that buy 450 watt card are going to be in a rude awakening in most rooms <laughs> for yeah. what that really means. It, it's just, I, and, and I guess what I'm kind of leading to is have you heard about the rumors that Lovelace may use over 500 watts? Uh, so why, why are they having to push wattage so hard
1: to get more performance out of these cards
0: so it comes down to really always competition you know nvidia for i mean look how well maxwell overclocked they didn't need to push it it was winning you know and they didn't need to push pascal that hard either great overclockers but i think In With Ampere, NVIDIA underestimated AMD, pushed their cards extra hard. And they're on an eight nanometer node. AMD's on, they're on a less efficient node than AMD too. So there was a lot more penalty to push the cards so they could stay ahead or at least tie the top AMD cards. That's kind of what it sounds like might be going on with Lovelace versus RDNA 3. Most people I ask say RDNA 3 is going to win. And internally at AMD, they're walking around cocky. Like, they're like, oh, no, like, like, I'm the, like, they, every quote I got about RDNA two was, we think we're going to win at some things. And we're really excited to be at the top end again. But they weren't sure. When I asked AMD people about RDNA three, they're just like, we're excited to win next year. Like, because okay. that's how confident they are. And it's because I believe they're going to multi GPU or multi dies like Zen does now. Oh, okay. And so it sounds kind of like, and again, don't quote me, guys. It sounds like it's just. Two to four compute unit dies on a, if you look at Zen 3D on a tile or a layer of infinity cache or on top of it, (laughs) like 512 (laughs) megabytes. Like, so there, it's not going to be a cheap card to make, but it's, it sounds like they could double performance over what we have now. Again, if they do that, I think Lovelace was always looking at being about 60 to 80% better than Ampere. I've had several people say, I bet they can get to double though, if they pushed above 500 Watts. And then months later, I saw rumors coming out of 500 watt test units. And I'm like, I think, I think Nvidia has a monolithic card still. That's just an insane die size. I think AMD has pulling finally gotten their like rising approach, working with graphics cards. And so it's not using as much energy, although I've heard the AMD one may use 400 Watts. Um, okay. and so it's not like it's necessary, but at least it's spread out across two dyes. So it won't be as dense heat, although it doesn't really affect you. You're still going to get warm. Um, and I think, uh, NVIDIA doesn't want to lose. (laughs) That would be why. We'll have to see how it pans out. But like, what would you think about? And let's just say it's 90% stronger than a 3090, but it uses 550 watts. (laughs) I mean, that's like... 550
1: watts is crazy because then you're you, you you're you literally have a little space heater next to you as opposed to a so I guess it depends on where you live if you if, if you live in the Arctic yeah dope get one of those that's a great way to cool your house to heat your house but if you mm-hmm. live in you know sub-saharan Africa you probably it, probably it shouldn't might literally get one. be
0: dangerous to even boot it up there yeah like, it just yeah. won't work
1: exactly yeah so I uh, I I guess like 90 percent performance boost for that kind of power it i I don't know how I feel about that to be honest. I kind of need some time to come to terms with that. i i guess i I guess it would be interesting to see what what that feels like in a room, you know because like <laughs> I, it would be interesting to see um because that is a that is a really big that that's quite a big performance in, increase well although i I do have a question, sorry, I'm going to kind of sidestep your question here sure. I, I don't really know sure, sure sure know what else to say, but in terms of the 3D stacking, how does how does cooling work for that? If you have like yeah. die components underneath other die, like how how does that work? Do you So
0: I can't say that I have like any I mean there are diagrams out there, but any diagrams that I'm sure is like a final design. So I can't comment on like what a specific product will do. Okay. What it sounds like though is I think the first thing we have to look to is whatever AMD is going to manage to do with Zen 3D, because my understanding, like kind of the the skinny of all of this, is that they thought RDNA three, they weren't sure if it would be monolithic or not. Okay. They were sure they could get something out. It sounds like there were probably some designs um, at some point that had. They weren't sure if they get monolithic or get multi GPU working effectively without massive heat issues, which for those who don't know, a lot of my early arc leaks were Intel trying to get multi GPU working for DG2. They wanted that to be a multi die GPU. And I remember in end of 2019 or if it may have been beginning, I think it was beginning of 2020. I had information from a source I'm very sure of that was pointing to these cards that they already had before Ampere was even out that were b- better than a 2080ti but they used a 1000 watts of energy at intel and <laughs> and the reason they did is because sending energy between two dies uses a lot of energy like that's so much energy unless you get something like infinity fabric or whatever amd's managed to do with ryzen working well so basically amd wasn't sure if they'd nail that and nail the bandwidth issues of trying to communicate i mean But graphics cards use so much more bandwidth than CPUs. Getting them to not be bandwidth constrained on multiple dies is an issue. But then they got Infinity Cache working. Mm. I'm not Infinity... Well, not just Infinity Cache, but... uh... What is it? Uh, V-cache on Zen 3D working. And that's when they went, oh, I don't think we're going to make something just 50% better, which just so people know, there were monolithic designs for RDNA 3 that had 96 compute units, higher clock speeds and a 384-bit bus. So that was their backup plan to be okay. launch something like 50% better. But now they've got multi-GPU working. That's probably what they're going to go with. They think they can double performance. And if it's just v Not to just take forever to actually answer your actual question. Oh, no, no, don't worry. I don't... They act like that's not an issue. Like, if you look at what they said about Zen 3D in public interviews so far, they're like, actually, it's not a big problem. We just, uh, you know, the layer is so thin, it doesn't affect cooling that much. But that's what they're saying. I want to see a Zen 3D chip tested that actually can boost high without throttling, because that's what they're doing is putting the cache just a layer that's crazy thin of cash, just directly on top of the die. And supposedly it's thin enough that it doesn't affect cooling that much.
1: Okay, okay. That's interesting. Because every time I heard about that kind of, you know, the design technique, it it sounds really awesome. But that was my thought was like, how do you cool components through other components? Um, Yeah, that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out.
0: Well, they managed to get it to work with HBM but there are issues like HP. I remember Vega and especially the Theory X, like there's a reason it was liquid-cooled for the top model. It's not because it actually used about the same amount of energy as a 980 Ti. It actually wasn't inefficient. It's just you had like, I don't remember, what is it, like three or four, I think or eight, I don't remember, stacks. Of RAM on top of each other in the HBM, the bottom one was way hotter than the top yeah. one. And so they had to keep the top stack below 70 degrees so the bottom stack wouldn't overheat and cause errors. So they got it to work though, all the way back then with a similar situation. You know, I just, it just all depends on how much heat parts of the die are going to use because I think a lot of people, including me, have been assuming that the Infinity Cache will be maybe actually below the dies. And then they'll put the dyes on top and that's cause the cash won't get as hot. But that yeah. also means that if the GPU gets hot, isn't that just going to overheat the thing on the bottom then? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's why Zen 3d is putting the cache on top of the die because it gets hot, but at least they're pulling the heat out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the, my, my honest answer can be boiled down to, I'm not sure, you know, and I think people, there's been a lot of wild rumors. Okay, as usual, about RDNA3's performance. Like some people claim it, it's over three times stronger than the 6900 XT, <laughs> to which I'm like, doubt. <laughs> Press yeah. the doubt button on that one. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because people see some of the configurations being tested and they're like, well, it's on five nanometer, so I'm sure it'll run at three gigahertz. Because it's And then I'm, no, it's like, if they have to cool the cache on it, if they have multiple dyes and then they have to worry about heat penalties to sending energy between the dies. I don't think they're gonna probably clock it as high as RDNA two. No one will be happier than me if they have a three gigahertz one hundred and (laughs) sixty (laughs) compute unit card. You know, but I just everyone I talk to at AMD says there's some real heat problems they're running into, and it's probably just going to come down to lower clock speeds. And I we're gonna have to see. You know, I don't know. It's probably going to be expensive. Yeah, yeah, and and like how
1: driver wise, how are drivers going to interact with the dual GPUs because I know with, like, you know, a GTX 295, for example, those, like, older dual-GPU single-PCB graphics cards, they were two graphics cards, essentially, on the same PCB. So drivers, you know, you'd you'd have issues like micro-stutters and stuff because mm. of having to sync those two together. So well, because of it's... Infinity Cache, is that not going to be an issue, or...?
0: Um, I mean, all they've done with any of those graphics cards, to my knowledge, is just literally, I mean, literally put like the 690 was literally two six 680 dies. That's all. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, like, no, quite literally, they didn't even bother to try to do anything special. Yeah. Now, I've heard <laughs> interviews from NVIDIA from back then where they said they were trying to get it to work every now and then. It just, it never seemed to work. Okay. And AMD has been trying to get this to work since RDNA one. Um. Intel's been trying to get this to work since DG1. It sounds like AMD finally got it to work where the OS only sees it as a single graphics card. okay, it can't even recognize the two different dies, which is the only way this makes any sense for gaming anyways. It's just give up. They're never going to make Crossfire work, guys. I think this is obvious. (laughs) Like, so, and there's multiple ways they can do that. I've, I've heard about this idea of like a master and slave die. So like, literally they may have a big die that has a little bit of extra silicon and that can delineate to slightly smaller dies they can add on after it. And it just, the OS can only see the master die. You know, that's one way you can do it. You can literally just make the same die twice and just disable part of it. So it can't be recognized by the OS, but it's, it's the same compute units and everything. It just doesn't have the interface, you know? So there's ways they can do this. I, I, Again, you know, I, I, I'm i sure of this source, like I was told Intel had stuff like this working. It was just so inefficient. It was worse than, it was worse than having a monolithic die. So they were like, we're not going to bother. Yeah. Although f- for those wondering, I haven't said that, I guess by the time this comes out, I'll probably have said this publicly. Intel is very confident about 2023 as well. And they're going to be multi-GPU. So okay. I guess we say that if Intel, if NVIDIA doesn't figure it out by 2023, they could be yeah. in big trouble here. Um, but this isn't supposed to be talking about 2023 products. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, this is something I talked about in my RDNA three, RDNA four leak this uh, year. How do you feel about prices going up? Cause they're going to, I mean, come on, uh, going up, but then performance doubling, like, how would you feel if the 8,700 XT, so not RDNA three. RDNA4 in 2024. How would you feel if that was four times stronger than a 6900 XT, but it was $700 for a 8700 XT? So now the 700 XT is 700. The 8800 is probably 1500. The 8900 is 2500. And then the 8600 is probably 500 bucks. How do you feel about that though if each one of those is four times stronger than what we have now?
1: Well, I. I, I grew up in, in Southern Africa mm-hmm. and their inflation was, or just is a very kind of real part of life. So like the first GPU that I bought uh, or that I, that I got was mm-hmm. an X1900XDX, which I think at the time in the US cost $500. And in Namibia, where I I grew up, it cost 5,000 rand, the equivalent of 5,000 rand. So it's pretty much a a one to 10 conversion. Mm. Like two or three generations later, it was in the US, the kind of like that high end tier Mm -hmm. GPU was still 500 US dollars. But in Southern Africa, you'd have to spend 7,000 or Mm -hmm. 7,500 rand for it. And that kind of trend continued through the entire time that i was a pc enthusiast so that kind of inflation i am very used to if that makes Mm. sense like that's always been a part of my experience as a hardware enthusiast is that every generation the card is going to be more expensive just because and then when it started compounding, when the inflation mm. started hitting the US, it was like double inflation in yeah. <laughs> in Southern Africa. I you think know? so many
0: people don't get that by the way in the US that are just like oh, inflation isn't that big of a deal. It's like, dude, do you guys understand that every time because the Oils pegged to the US dollar, the, the US has inflation, the rest of the world feels it times 10. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, dude. <laughs> inflation sucks. You just you're the ones who don't have the worst part of it.
1: Yeah, e- exactly. I was I was so jealous of consumers in the US because I was like, <laughs> stuff's so cheap there, you know? Um, so I I feel like I I I would be understanding of it just because of my framework of reference in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a lot of people would be very unhappy with it because you know mm-hmm. it makes sense you you as as the as time goes on we want better stuff for the same amount of money that's what progress is um so it it's understandable that it's upsetting but i think that that kind of inflation is just the reality of the the, the world
0: <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and, yeah sometimes yeah yeah um, i mean it, it, I think a lot of people will be mad, but again, I, I, the, the devil's ad, I made a devil's advocate argument though, in that video, just because look, anyone can say, I'm mad that the mid range is double the price now. Like, let's be honest, if it's $700, that means that used to be three fifty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but if it's four times, let's say that 8,700 XT. And again, this is three years from now. So this is two gens away. Let's say it manages to be twice the performance of a 6900 XT though. Is that not worth 700? Do you think people will complain? And I understand games get harder to run, but I don't know. I don't see, I think a lot of that was because we went from, I don't know, right? What what even was it? Like 1280 by 1024 to like 1680 by 1050 to a 1080p to 1440p and 1600p. I don't know if we're going past 4K. Like, and it's, pretty doable to set it to do 4k 120 right now yeah quadruple performance even if games get harder to run i don't know like do you think that anyone will complain though if that if the 8600 xt is 500 dollars, but it's capable of 4k 120 gaming i
1: so i i think what what is important in a situation like that is that there still are options for 350 and, mm. you know, at the lower price points, I, I think like at that point, it doesn't really matter what they call, well, I mean, it does matter what they call it, but as long as there are options for people who don't have the option to spend $500 on a graphics card, I think it'll be fine. You know, mm. if, as, as long as the performance is there and there are options at all of the price points that are viable, mm. then it, it should be okay. I think, in, in my opinion, um, well- but...
0: The one thing I will say, though, is I've like, I literally had someone at AMD say, we want to kill the sub $400 market. That's (laughs) a direct quote. And trust me, NVIDIA wants to kill the sub $500 market too. So yeah, that's,
1: that's really bad because it, it, it makes, it, it makes PC gaming more exclusive and it makes it more, it, it, yeah, it, it excludes a lot of people from a really awesome hobby Uh, But at the same time, it means that then if you are in that position where you can't afford to buy a, you know, a a graphics card over $400, then you have to kind of go into the used market and find a way to essentially like hustle Mm. a a product. That's what they
0: said. They said, we want our old used cards to be the sub $400 market within five years. Like we don't even want to bother there anymore.
1: Oh, that's, that's quite disappointing to hear from the companies because I feel like those those segments are so important you know those those lower end segments because it's it's one of the it's one of the really appealing things about gaming uh, about pc gaming mm-hmm. over console gaming is that you can cobble together like low cost systems that perform really well and are very customizable so if the companies don't make gpus because you know a $200 new GPU turns into a $100 used GPU or whatever that conversion Mm -hmm. is. So a $400 GPU isn't going to turn into a, like, inexpensive... Yeah, yeah, it's not going to turn into a GPU for people who don't have a lot of uh, disposable income, which is a huge amount of people, you know, so...
0: Well, that's definitely true. The only other thing I would say to that, though, is... I mean... At the end of the day though, APUs would also be stronger. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, and I think that's a reason, I think also a reason they're not making the GPUs and these APUs crazy strong is it's, it just has to do a certain amount. And the fact is Saison can play pretty much any game out there. Um, Even if you really have to do low settings. Yeah. I I mean, by then we'd probably have APUs as strong as a 6600 XT, you know, I would imagine Mm. at least. is those were $200. It's just, it's hard though, because that's not gonna run the latest AAA game very well. Yeah. But if everyone's still playing Fortnite, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> those games yeah. are so easy to run, you know? Yeah, and and to be fair,
1: the latest AAA titles are usually terrible anyway. So so you're you're not you're not missing out on too much. What are you going to play, Cyberpunk, or like the new Battlefield, which is also broken? You know, like
0: I hey, I, I like the new Battlefield, and yes, it is it is a little broken. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's a Battlefield
1: game. It's going to take it six months, and then it's going to be amazing. So I'm I'm just waiting. I'm, I I I love Battlefield. I have I've loved the series for ages, but with every game from Battlefield Three. <laughs> I never bought it within the first six or seven months of it being out because...
0: Would you say the worst one at launch was Battlefield 4? Yes. Yeah, and that's the only thing I I will say is that Battlefield 2042 works way better than 4 did or 3 did okay. at launch. It's just, I think our standards, and this is good, have gotten better. Yeah. And also there's more competition. Mm. Like now, Modern Warfare has a 64-player game mode with vehicles. Like yeah. you can't just churn out broken games anymore, companies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the, the thing is, I, I think it's so difficult to make
1: games. Like you you need to, you know, because of, because of how powerful graphics cards and stuff have become, it's at the point where... You have to spend millions upon millions of dollars to make a game. And it's this really complex undertaking. So I guess that's why they're so broken. You know, like so then
0: si- delay it, dude. Just hey, yeah, watch well, no. it. Into- <laughs> I, I agree. I completely yeah.
1: agree. But I, I think that's the kind of like that's that's the the devil's advocate argument behind why they're all broken is because it's so
0: difficult. You know what's fascinating though? There's been three or four patches since launch already, and none of them added new bugs. Oh, that's good. That's, that's I, I very. look yeah. on your face. And I'm like, <laughs> I was talking to my brother, Dan. Is this Has DICE ever had a patch that didn't add a new bug until now? Like, <laughs> at least they're taking it seriously. I, I, honestly, my mind, they've redone the UI. They've added new game modes and maps. And I'm like, and no bugs? Hmm. Yo, Maybe that's... you're taking the criticism seriously. Yeah cuz
1: apparently they lost like half their player base in the first week or something i read it it was just i didn't read the whole article it was just i'm just headline quoting here but uh, like well
0: right and yeah i i think it's doing better than battlefield 5 did but that wasn't a particularly popular one hmm. um uh, yeah it i think a lot of people too have just they're like i'll play it again in a two months when it's fixed (laughs) i think honestly like a lot of it is literally people going ah dang it i was hoping this one would work at launch
1: yeah for sure i mean that's i haven't bought it yet because i'm i'm gonna wait six months and then i'm gonna Mm -hmm. play it a lot uh i'm I'm really excited for it although i i play a lot of escape from tarkov so i'm i'm used to (laughs) the the broken games Mm -hmm. um but they 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 do good work as well they try hard with their patches even though each patch does break stuff
0: (laughs) it's just (laughs) <laughs> why <laughs> like come on guys um but uh to, oh i guess the last thing i would add to that just because you'd probably be interested to hear this i had a devon from obsidian entertainment was the last guest oh. and he was uh I, I talked to him about what was going on with battlefield and he was like just so you know those four patches in a month multiple six figures per patch for them to do it that quickly oh wow and sony and microsoft charge per patch they put out on the console because they don't they want to incentivize you releasing working stuff so if anyone's wondering ea is paying for paying for the mistake they just made good
1: good ea is the worst company ever they they need to pay like i'm happy with that
0: (laughs) i i get the feeling they're learning their lesson i just don't know why it took five broken launches for them. to learn it, I, I don't, yeah. I don't under, they fire the guy in charge of dice though. So you wonder how much of it is, you know, he was in charge, I think since Battlefield three or something. So I wonder how much of these broken launches are, but then it's like, why was he doing it four times in a row? I don't know. <laughs> I, I let, let's get back on subject though. I just, I love having oh, a little yeah, bit yeah. of game talk in sorry, there. Sorry. I, no, it's, it's definitely my fault. Let me throw this in. So Zen 3D, then Raptor Lake, then Zen 4. Or maybe Raptor Lake and Zen 4 will maybe Zen 4 will come before Raptor Lake. I doubt it, but we'll see. Like, which of these, how excited are you for Zen 3D? And then are you more, I don't know how much you know, but how how excited are you for Raptor Lake versus Zen 4?
1: Um, well, I mean, in, in terms of Zen 3D, I think it's really cool because it's 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 such an interesting kind of way of designing a CPU that is. A, they're going to have to make design decisions like this to overcome the limitations of silicon. You know, you can't just like die shrink anymore. You need to mm-hmm. come up with creative ways to improve performance. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how it stacks up and how they deal with things like cooling. That it, 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 From an engineering perspective, Zen 3D is, is amazing. Zen 4 versus Raptor Lake, again, it's just competition is is exciting to watch. so I, I don't know a huge amount about about what's what's expected, but I think it's going to be great because both of these companies are are knife battling in the street essentially, and that's that's always entertaining to watch so
0: you know, oh, perfect. I was—I wanted to switch to this subject next and this next reader mail is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Kronos 1996 writes in and he says, I've heard a lot of confusion from the rumor mill about how a potential 24 or 32 core AM5 chip would fit into AMD's overall CPU lineup. The concern seems to be, from what I can tell online, that it would cannibalize Threadripper sales and blur the line between consumer and HEDT platforms. I don't think those arguments hold any weight, though. For starters, the Ryzen 9 already blurred the line between consumer and HEDT, so clearly AMD has shown this to be part of their MO. Why wouldn't they do it again? The Epic chips are going up to 96 and then 128 cores with Zen 4 Threadripper. Uh, Why not have the consumer also go up 50%? The main reason I think it would also make sense to have a 24 or 32 core Ryzen part is they could use Zen 4C. They could have eight Zen 4 plus 16 Zen 4C for a 24 core part. And Zen 4 Ryzen 9 would then just completely beat Raptor Lake and multi threading and a very efficient TDP that doesn't require four CCD chiplets. How does this relate to cannibalizing Threadripper? People who buy Threadripper are after far more than just cores, namely I.O. And I, and I wrote down a lot of opinions about this question here, but let me just ask you. Would you buy more than a 16 core processor though next year?
1: Uh it, it completely depends on pricing. I five hundred dollars is already very high for me to spend on a CPU. Like even even mm. if it's for content creation, even if it's for like my work system. I I am I I struggle to pay five hundred dollars for the fifty nine hundred X just mentally I I find it like I understand it, yeah. yeah yeah it it just seems like a lot to spend on a CPU so if they can give us sixteen cores of five hundred bucks like that that would be that would be good um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't spend more to 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 get it than five hundred yeah yeah my my personal that's like a a high cap for me in terms of pr- like. Uh, content creation and in terms of gaming like 350 <laughs> is like where i top out so whatever they can give me for that amount is what i'll buy basically
0: mm-hmm. um well you know i paid i I managed to get the 3950x launch week okay. and uh for me that was kind of just a special i i would honestly i'd never i rarely pay more than 500 bucks for a graphics card and i rare if, if ever and and I uh, like never really pay more than 400 for a CPU, but it was like, this is the first 16 core mm. desktop processor. For me, it was just a special occasion. It's just oh, like, sure, yeah. this is, they've just increased IPC by 15% and doubled core count at the same power usage. Like I just, to me, this was like one of those things that was just special. Yeah, But sure. I, I you know, I was always wondering, you know, would I get a Zen 2 Threadripper? Well, they what was the entry level on that? Like $1,400? And I was like, no, I won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I think Zen One, Zen Plus Threadrippers would start at like $500 to $1,000, but that's only because they suffered in gaming performance and they had to. Intel was in control. Intel's not in control anymore. So I think like you, you highlight it and, you know, Kronos, like, are you going to pay $1,500 for a 32 core on AM5? Is anyone going to do that? Who needs 32 cores on AM5? That that That's kind of my counterpoint. I-, I think they might if they need to, but there's a chance Zen 4 may beat 24 core Raptor Lake because 16 of those Raptor Lake cores are little cores. Mm. Like Zen 4 may beat it with just 16 cores. And if it does, even in multi-threading, I don't know why, th- I know why they would, but I don't think they have to launch any more cores to consumers, even if ThreadRippers now, I don't know what is it what's it at then six times the cores? Like it's just a different yeah. segment. Who needs more than 16 cores that isn't willing to spend four grand on a CPU?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean it's interesting because the whole the whole H E D T versus consumer platform is 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 an interesting conversation because there was that period with with Intel's like X platform where it it became really difficult for them to justify those those parts, even with the mm-hmm. the uh, increased I/O and stuff. And I I saw one of the things that you sent over was leaks for up and coming enthusiasts or like HEDT uh, in Intel CPUs. But it seems like for the last four years, I don't know how long it's been, but <laughs> it, it, yeah. Intel's given up on that on that segment because it's like if just go to. Just buy a Xeon, basically. If you if you need that additional, so I don't know how important, like th- how important is Threadripper as opposed to Epic for AMD as a company? Like, if they need to launch a twenty four core part to stay competitive in the consumer market, like which they probably wouldn't. Like, like you said, there's there's a good chance that they wouldn't. But I feel like, would they care if it if it affects Threadripper sales? Because, yeah, like.
0: Well, I think there's a real question on if, and, and to, you know, answer Kronos one thing cor- uh, quickly here, like, I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying, I almost don't, I, th- I almost feel like something's got to give because you. it's so funny you brought up those old Intel HEDT platforms. The only reason those really existed as I pointed out in a recent video, actually, is because they still only had four cores yeah. on consumer because yeah. why? No competition. Yes. And yeah. there was for Broadwell E, the eight, yeah, for, for server Broadwell, they were up to 24 cores where their desktop counterpart had four cores. That's why they launched 10 core Broadwell E because it wasn't even half as many, yeah. you know? But, it's not hard for AMD to launch more cores. It's just, I don't, they're not giving you just four or even just eight cores on consumer. They're giving you 16. And I understand there's this ratio that's kind of always been there, but at the same time I go, yeah, but what apps are you using that you need more than 16 cores and you're not a professional with a boatload of money to spend? Because AMD's job isn't to give you a cheap b- core count bragging rights thing, which I feel like half the people that bought the first gen Threadripper was just so they could brag they had 16 cores, yeah. but everyone else had four cores, which that was fun for how cheap it was. But yeah, and I'm almost starting to wonder if HEDT even makes sense anymore when they also have Workstation. Like, yeah, a- and that, yeah, that Fishhawk Falls leak that I sent you, which, for everyone listening, like this is a leak that's not just based on me talking to people. Like I have dozens of pictures and spec sheets for products. Like I I know what it is. It's, it's, it's only workstation. And Intel's talking about killing off HEDT potentially and just okay. calling it consumer workstation. Because from Intel's perspective, it's not HEDT anymore, which HEDT stands for high-end desktop. And they're like, 40 cores is not just high end that's a server chip dude like what are you talking about high end i I almost wonder if HEDT is in a no man's land now in general
1: yeah because it's like it's like you know threadripper is kind of like diet epic anyway and if you get to a point where with with am5 we're also going to be getting uh pcie 5 aren't we and ddr5 Mm -hmm. so we should yeah yeah, so a lot of those bandwidth considerations for things like IO and stuff, because PCIe 5 is, is, really, is really fast. Like, I, I, I feel like just progress is kind of eroding
0: the need for Threadripper anyway. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah. Because yeah. remember, you know, people point this out, right? Zen 1 Epic, Naples, 32 cores, Zen 1 Threadripper, 16, Zen 1 AM4, 8 cores. I understand there was this eight sixteen thirty two doubling ratio between the products, but I also, you got to understand that it was way overdue to have more than four cores. And there was this opening for 16 cores because eight cores wasn't even enough for a lot of people. We had been on four cores since the 2000s. Yeah. Like it was, there were a lot of people that wanted more than eight, but now they've filled that. And yeah. so was Intel, you know? So it's almost like, you know, and, and, and I look at like, and I've seen any, you know, I, I, another part of his question that, uh, you know, he's, he brings up the IO and it's like, yeah, X570, I feel like skimped on the amount of IO a tiny bit. Like I only have room on my, it's a DTX motherboard, so it's small, but I only have room for two NVMe drives and four SATA drives, but that's still six SSDs. I still have two open slots right now. I'm feeling fine. Yeah, <laughs> You know, my understanding is X670 is probably going to like double that. Who needs more than 12 SSDs or something? <laughs> and that's my motherboard. There's X570 motherboards out there that, that can hold 812 SSDs right now. Like, yeah. I, I just don't know who needs 12 SSDs that doesn't have a boatload of money, though.
1: That isn't going to buy Epic. Yeah, that isn't going to buy
0: like just high-end server-grade hardware. Yeah. And like, what's the point of like workstation and HEDT anymore? They're the same thing, aren't they? I mean, again, like as Intel Intel contact puts it, like, <laughs> is thirty two cores HEDT? This isn't high end. This is ludicrous desktop. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the companies feel about
1: like how attached they are to that market, like to the to Threadripper, for example, because um, you know, like you said, in earlier Zen products, there was a there was a lot of need for it, can mm-hmm. you know, because of but now it's it's kind of done what it's needed to do.
0: And, and where's um, Zen 3 Threadripper and, or Zen 3D Threadripper? I, I, they probably won't launch those. I'm under the impression they will still launch Zen 4 Threadripper, but it sounds okay. like that might not come out till 2023. So okay. I, I honestly see it kind of like the way I see the low end market uh, for graphics cards. They're gonna make low end cards below 400 every now and then forever. Because my friend just had his RX 480 break that he was gaming on for five years. They mm-hmm. have to every now and then. Yeah. But I I don't think it's going to be like a new Threadripper every year. I think it's going to be like, and I wonder if they'll even announce it. Like, here comes Zen 4 Threadripper. By the way, shut up about Zen 5. You'll get Zen 6 <laughs> Threadripper. Because this is such a smaller market than consumer and, you know, and uh, workstation and ser- yeah, server workstation and consumer. Yeah, yeah yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with that, and and I mean, again, I don't know. I just can't see myself I would like more than sixteen cores, but I'm not paying extra for it because none of my apps use it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, for, for sure, yeah, it, it's just it, it, but it's, it's, I feel like the price point is is more important than the just outright core count
0: and if Zen point. four increases IPC by thirty percent, which certainly could, you know, that they keep doing that. Um, uh, I mean, is that not good? <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I, again, I think it all comes down to if it beats Raptor Lake in multi-threading. And what I've been told is they think it will, you know, they think they will manage to edge out Raptor Lake in multi-threading, which considering Raptor Lake has 24 cores and Zen 4 probably right. Well, Raphael at the very least is, is the main version of it has 16. If they beat it in multi-threading with less cores, that probably means they also crush them in gaming. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I If they need to, I think they will, Kronos. Uh, but I just don't know why they would launch something they don't need to. I've, if I were them, I'd just focus on trying to get people to buy a workstation. Um, want some? All right. You can keep having holiday cookies if you want, but... Keep in mind, you're probably going to want something healthier in about a month. That's right. Today's piece of content is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Whether you're looking for something easy to make on your lunch break from home during December or something that also checks all of your healthy boxes when you try to work off that holiday weight in January, Vite Ramen has you covered. It's made in America by Americans with healthy ingredients. And if you go to the link in the description or on screen and use the code BROKENSILICON, you will get 10% off off your offer i mean it really doesn't matter what you're looking for in an easy to make meal vite ramen takes less than five minutes it tastes great and it's not bad for you that's why i actually do myself eat it regularly and why i recommend you do as well again use the link in the description or on screen and use the offer code broken silicon this does legitimately help the channel a lot and it also helps you save some time and eat healthy bye vite ramen today Brett Summers writes in, any news on Zen 4 IPC performance with v I'd assume with Z- after Zen 3, v comes out, that most models should get a V-cache version with Zen 4, or will we still have it segmented to L3 plus V-cache separately? You know, so if Zen 4 is 20 to 30% better than Zen 3, is this Zen 3 with or without v Uh, Which, yeah, which I quoted, which is... I'm, the minimum is twenty percent, and the write-up I have here because I didn't think about this when this question was asked. This is kind of something I've danced around not answering for a while. My opinion is, after thinking about it, if you right that Zen four being twenty to thirty percent better than Zen three, both of them without V that's all that means. Now V to V I don't know. <laughs> My, it's hard for me to say what that will mean because on the one hand, Zen three D will be ten percent better than Zen three. Okay, but my understanding is Zen three was built with VCash in mind, but it didn't need it. Um, I don't know if you know this. They actually had prototypes with VCash of Zen two. They just couldn't get it yielding past like ten percent, and then they got Zen three working with VCash. Zen and the Zen three D has no changes. It's literally the same dies. They've literally just been using the mass manufactured dies, trying to get them yielding with VCash for a year, and then they did. So. My understanding is that Zen 4 doesn't need Vcash to outperform Zen 3, but that it was built more from the ground up to use it. But it, it, what does that mean? How much of the benefit is it that mean it will get 5% more benefit than what Zen 3 got from it? 20%? I don't know. I, I lean towards it just being whatever I said. So let's say it's 25% Zen 4 is 25% better than Zen 3. So Zen 4 with Vcash is probably 25% better than Zen 3 with VCash. That's my guess. And I don't think all Zen 4 CPUs will have Vcash because that's expensive.
1: So what what point do you think that at what pro- price point are you going to start seeing CPUs lose V-cache in
0: in the product stack? It's hard for me to say because we keep coming back to it. I think it's going to come down to competition because... My understanding is their yields on Zen 3D with Vcash are like 90% at least. So if they need to, I don't think they have to not give Vcash to almost any of them. Okay. But it is in kind of an exponential thing. So let's say they have 95% yields, but then they lose 10% of those. Well, that means you're 95% yields. You have to multiply 0.95 times 0.9. Really now your yields are down to, yeah, below 86%. Right. And you have to remember, like, is it nine? I've also heard it could be 80. So if it's 0.95 times 0.8, that means those were your perfect eight core yields you're going to put Vcash on. They were getting 95% yields. But now that you lose 80% of the 95, it's actually down to 76% yields. It's not very good. So I just don't know exactly where that's going to shake out. But I think they could afford to give the whole line of Vcash if they wanted to. I've just been told they're not going to. And I would, my guess is below 300. No. Okay. but it's going to depend because it will be competing with Raptor Lake. And I think half a year after or maybe eight months after Raptor Lake, Meteor Lake launches. And I just heard from an Intel context, we're going to wipe the floor with AMD, by the way. So I don't know if they will. Intel's been wrong before. (laughs) (laughs) But that sounds like starting 2023, they're not screwing around anymore. So that's really exciting. And if that's true... It's not too expensive, guys. They could put fee cash on all of it if they wanted to. I think, but that's yeah. that. That's a good follow up question, though, to that idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be because like I I guess that's that kind of dictates everything that happens in this market. Is <laughs> what what can they get away with basically that yep. that makes them the most money?
0: Well, and put things in perspective, then like. Okay, so let's say Zen 4 with Vcash is 40% better than Zen 3 and IPC. Ah, oh, man, I think you're fine with 16 cores for <laughs> a lot of tasks, guys. Um, let me move on here. So here's another product. I don't know if you even noticed this coming out. There's been few rumors about it, and there's really not much information, but it's AMD Monet. Carbon Cry wrote in and asked, is there any new scuttlebutt on Monet? And this is a... Four core, eight thread Zen 3 plus four compute unit, I believe. I know there's uh, some infra- conjecture out there, but I believe it's four compute units of RDNA 2 built on Global Foundry's latest 12 nanometer, which must be pointed out, Global Foundry's latest 12 nanometer is actually not the one they made the 590 on. It's actually, they have a newer one that's like 20% better than that. Um, So that's what Monet is. It, they, they're looking to put Zen 3 on 12 nanometer. Um, I don't know. The only thing I'll say before I ask you this question, David, is my understanding is it's the end of next year, so I don't even know okay. if I care. But like, is is that exciting to you at all to hear that they're kind of starting to backport more than? But it's not going to be new by then, yeah. <laughs> you know, on twelve nanometer or not, I don't know. What you, if you have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, well, you made a note here about it being a a, a sub one hundred dollar kind of range that they're that they're potentially going to be launching uh, for desktops.
0: Well, so. I... Yeah, that, 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 that that's not like I know that, but that's my guess, right? Okay. And if you think about it, ever since Zen two, AMD's been really reluctant to price anything below one fifty. Yeah, and that's for two reasons. One, they don't need to. Again, competition. Yeah. But the other reason is is they have to package multiple dies together and ship a bunch of types of products all over the world and put them together. So it's not. It's more expensive to make. The floor and the cost is low is higher. Making a monolithic 12 nanometer die, I mean, what we've been seeing 14 nanometer chips for 50 bucks since. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't help but think that if they want to, this could be the new Pentium killer. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I always have fun playing with those CPUs and APUs. I I think it's just interesting to see what kind of gaming you can get on the type of CPU that you put in an office PC that's designed for Gmail. <laughs> you know, I I I just I so I I I'd love to play with that. Um, but I just hope
0: it comes out sooner than late next year (laughs) Yeah, because the market could really use it right now. Uh, The thing that excites me more about an idea of a quad core Zen three monolithic chip launching under a hundred is that that might actually be pretty close to the consoles. The consoles run at like three and a half gigahertz or something. They have eight Zen two cores. So this is like 20% more IPC probably clocked above four gigahertz. So I think you might be able to keep up with the consoles with a sub $100 chip then. That might be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how many compute units did you say they were looking at putting in the the iGPU? Like,
0: I don't personally know anyone that knows how much it is, but I've seen conjecture online that says 2 to 4. Two to and four. it's like, okay. I don't know. Has anyone noticed RDNA is only disabled in amounts of 4? Oh, that's like, interesting, yeah. And... I can't say much more about what I know about that because I've been told not to by an AMD engineer. There's a technical reason for that, (laughs) actually. Okay. Um, There's not a reason. It's like it would not work is my understanding, but it's about kind of balancing performance. And so I feel like either it's, I I feel like four then. And it's on 12 nanometers. So like, if they have half as many cores, why would they not have as many commute units? I don't know. That's I, that's kind of, and I kind of don't think it'll be six. I, I I think two compute units just seems really weak to me, and like a weird number.
1: Yeah, and I mean, considering what the Vega three IGPU and the fifty three hundred G can do, that's mm. that's actually kind of going to be a beast. <laughs> it's it's going to be real powerful, actually, for for like a sub one hundred dollar. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Hopefully, it will not take too long.
0: And I think some people look at Rocket Lake and they'll go, that used way too much energy backporting Tiger Lake. And it's like, yeah, but they're also cutting the core counts in half, unlike Tiger Lake. So I see no reason why they couldn't get away. That's probably a node that's better than Intel's 14 nanometer, too. Like, I don't see why they can't get away. If they have 15 watt eight cores right now, why can't they have 15 watt quad cores on 12 nanometer? I don't see why they can't, you know. So I don't actually think it'll use a boatload of energy either. I I think, yeah, it's It could be an APU that's certainly capable of running Fortnite and stuff. And that would be really cool for like your $200 laptops. That would be just another echelon of performance upgrade over the... Garbage they have right now.
1: Yo, two hundred dollar laptops at the moment are are shocking.
0: Like they really, they haven't really super performance for years. I mean, yeah. it's like Jaguar practically. We haven't gotten yeah. anything interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, there. I I, I uh, did a video on a on a Best Buy two hundred dollar laptop a couple of months ago, and it's it's so bad. Like it 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 really struggles. No that 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 is a that is a very uh, interesting. Potential product. I feel like I've just been saying that the whole time. That sounds very interesting. Let's see what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I th- I hope it points to a. I hope AMD is just more aggressive with that because my understanding, and I talked about this on the last podcast, is that Van Gogh was really meant for products late 2020. I mean, think about it. It's Zen two and RDNA two, and my understanding is it never got into the original contracts. And then Valve was like, "We'll use it <laughs> if you okay. have this," you know. So I just hope they. I just feel like though Van Gogh would have been way more interesting if it came out 2020. I mean, eight RDNA 2 compute units, a quad core Zen 2, that would have been awesome. But yeah. now that it's coming out in 2022, it's like, all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, don't, it's not that cutting edge. I hope they're more aggressive. I hope like, I, what I'm saying is I hope they get like a, I hope in 2023, there's a seven nanometer Zen 4 12 RDNA 3 micro APU or something. I just hope they keep up with these half APUs and don't take two years to come out because the market needs this. So
1: are they not going to change the hardware specification at all with this delay on the
0: on the Steam Deck? Oh, no, no. It's the same. It's the same 1.5 teraflops at most. Again, they say at top boost clocks. It's not in a desktop. So I don't know what that means. It's really, no, it's... It's the same performance to my understanding. I don't even know what they would use if they had to. I don't think there's really an alternative from AMD behind the scenes right now. I disabled Rembrandt maybe, but that's a bigger APU. So no, it's it's still going to be the same thing.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right, so the remaining stuff here, we've already talked about RDNA 3 and RDNA 4 plenty. I guess Alexander writes in, what month do you think RDNA 3 will launch? Will it be before or after GPU prices and availability begin to stabilize? I recall you placing an estimate on when the crash would occur, but don't remember what was your guess. Wasn't it mid-2022? My guess is, is it's just going to be a slight decline through 2022. I don't think there's going to be a crash until the end, though. But when I hear about people hoarding, um components. I'm like, so hoarding, someone's going to be the last guy with a warehouse full of stuff (laughs) that realizes he took too long to sell. You know, it's all speculation and speculation always ends with bubble pops. I don't know when that's going to be though. I think RDNA3 will be launching when things are feeling, I I wouldn't be surprised if it feels fixed, right? But it's not, you know, almost like how COVID will probably feel next year where it's like, Things are back to normal mm, relative to 2020, but they're not like 2019, dude. You don't remember, <laughs> yeah. you know, how open things were. That's, that's kind of what I expect. And I don't know. I, I, my guess is quarter three, you know, but it, it's a guess. I, it's as soon as they can get it out, honestly. But w- when you see six nanometer RDNA two coming quarter one, that to me suggests it's probably later in the year. Otherwise, why would they be launching a refresh, you know, before it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. And then there's Lovelace which I believe we already talked about about um, those
1: yummy 500 watt potential <laughs> potential GPUs that's exciting.
0: Yeah, I don't know but that I have much else to say about that except that anyone who thinks competition isn't back, it is. But some of these companies are going to go through weird weird lengths to stay competitive. Um Milan X. I don't know that we have much to say. Do you have much to say about Vcash on Zen 3 Epic? That's coming out next year. It's just give it an honorable mention at least. Um,
1: um yeah. More more epicness. It's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I assume you have similar things to say about Genoa and Bergamo, um, the one twenty eight core that they announced. It's not really for gamers. Yeah. Um, and it's so- it's like pushing the envelope, but you know, yeah. <laughs> um Sapphire Rapids. Hey, it's better than Ice Lake X, but uh it's half the cores of AMD, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stay in there Intel, you're not a third the performance anymore, now you're just half. Good job. Yeah, they're closing um, that gap. Let's see so Nintendo Super Switch. Do you have any thoughts about a new Nintendo handheld? I've been meaning to talk to someone about that this year. Uh, that thing's long in the tooth like I don't know if you've seen any rumors about it, what you want out of it, if you have anything to say about it.
1: I, I like the display change. I feel like the the display on the current one is is due for an upgrade. But in terms of like how much the additional performance is is gonna help in 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 terms of like Nintendo games because they're they're all you know because it, it it's it's more a refresh console than it is a new generation, isn't it? Like they're not. Oh, this
0: year's was yeah, but uh, um, I'm oh, se- I, I'm under the impression based on people I've talked to that they could have a full new switch at the end of next year or early twenty twenty three based on either Lovelace or Ampere, actually.
1: And and that's what they're calling the Super Switch. That's what That's what uh, I'm calling it because I think that's okay.
0: the funnest name. I don't know yeah. what you thought.
1: <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's it's like Nintendo have their own world that they that they compete in. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Xbox and and the Xbox and the PlayStation fight each other in terms of like making the most pretty games and then Mm -hmm. nintendo just does its own thing and it works so i think if they all all they need to do is offer a higher resolution alternative to the current stuff because 720p is brutal Mm -hmm. um can barely
0: uh, run games even at that anymore it's he has maxwell i mean
1: (laughs) exactly yeah so i i think if they can kind of push it up to a point where you can with docking get closer to 4K with a lot of Nintendo. It doesn't need to be 4K, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. need to be 720p upsamples. Like um Yeah, maybe if they cool. could have like
0: a built-in DLSS like 2.3 in every single game, they could maybe get away with 4K. You know, with DLSS I can get away with 4K on my 2060 laptop and more games than you'd think actually if they're a couple years old. Well, 2060 was as strong as what was it? It's about a 1080. So yeah, I yeah. mean that's not really surprising then. Um I guess that is kind of the only question I would really have. I mean, if we're looking at, just say, the PS5 and Xbox Series X are pretty close in performance. I I peg them at around a 3060 Ti. They have 16 gigs of RAM. What do you think the Super Switch needs to be? And remember, this is two years away, so we'll be on like five or four nanometer by then. But like, what does it need to be in performance? Do you think it needs to be... 3060 performance, 3050 Ti performance? How much <laughs> I, RAM? I, I wonder what you would guess.
1: I, I feel like it doesn't matter, to be honest. Like I, I feel like Nintendo is like their the, the the kind of uh form factor that they're mm-hmm. in now works really well, and their games are the thing that's important. If it's shinier, like it's it's great, but it's I, I, I don't know how much the the power of a nintendo console really matters because mm. they've they've never played they, they've they never been part of that arms race mm. and it doesn't well they uh, did but not
0: for decades
1: <laughs> yeah oh that's true yeah yeah for, uh, ages ago they did but like in 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 recent kind of it i i feel like it's going to be fine whatever it is it just needs to be a step up from what they're offering at the moment and if they can fix the ergonomic issues of the current Mm. Switch I'd be happy but their games are the thing that's important so just better
0: (laughs) yeah it's you know, and my Nintendo, so my Nintendo, and I call it the Super Switch because of, like, Super NES. I thought that was a funner name yeah. than Switch 2. But I've heard a lot of people tell me they think that's a dumb name. So maybe. Oh, oh, I'll, really? <laughs> yeah, well, also, like, an, it's an NVIDIA thing. So NVIDIA likes to use Super branding. So I was like, perfect, the Super <laughs> Switch. Yeah. But um, I don't know. That was just what my brain was thinking. But It all came from this grain of information about how some developers were saying Lovelace might be which at this point I am convinced it's the next generation of NVIDIA cards, it seems to be what everyone's saying, and it's what I've heard, so I think it is. But I heard early on a couple developers like, I almost think Lovelace is just a Nintendo APU, and that's what sent me down a rabbit hole of calling everyone I could, like because a lot of times sources only have part of the picture. The first thing I thought of when someone said, my impression is Lovelace is a Nintendo APU, was... Let me double check that the other people saying Lovelace aren't crazy. They're not. They're leakers who have gotten stuff right before. And I went, okay, so if there's a likely chance it's that. Does this developer not realize Nintendo may be using Lovelace? (laughs) Right? You know, like, does he not understand that? No, it's just a Lovelace APU. And if you look at NVIDIA's roadmap, they've had Volta... They had their Maxwell one come out, which is what's in the Switch. They actually had the Pascal one come out before the Switch was out. So Nintendo just decided to use Maxwell. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Insane. And then they had Volta come out a year after the Switch was out. Um, I'm under the impression they actually, I don't even know if it was a year. I I think it was the same year the Switch came out. Actually, Volta came out as in their Tegra lineup. Honestly, I think Nintendo could have had a Volta Switch if they wanted to (laughs) with Tensor cores, but they decided Maxwell, I guess. Um, and you know, if you look at NVIDIA's roadmap, they haven't refreshed since Volta. So they have Orin coming out. I think it's basically early next year around when this dev said they're sampling the switch APU (laughs) is they're sampling Orin? And I'm like, does this guy not realize what he just said? (laughs) Like, and then I know Atlin comes out a year and a half after that, and that's, certainly based on probably something after Lovelace. So I think, and then also Nintendo stopped production of their chips and they bought up 30 million or 32 million. I looked up how many they're selling a year. The amount of last production they did was exactly enough for two more years of sales. Oh, okay. And this is when I started feeling like, you know, Charlie Day and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like (laughs) uh, the dots connect guys. It's guys, the new Switch is coming out in a year and a half, you know, and if you look at when the OLED model came out, a year and a half before I believe the Super Switch will, when did the Nintendo DS, or what is it, the big version of the 3DS come out, I or whatever, a year and a half, but I think the DSi was a year and a half before, like, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like, this is literally all, all things point to a much more powerful Switch coming, I, I just don't know what The problem is this. My understanding is Oren has 2,048 CUDA cores. It's about as strong as a laptop 3050, it seems. But keep in mind that NVIDIA, I mean, well, and in in Nintendo, did not use the full Maxwell die. They cut it in half. So (laughs) I don't know how many they're going to have enabled, you know. I don't know if it's going to be Lovelace. My understanding is Lovelace is very similar anyways. My big argument actually is is that if I was Nintendo, Nvidia, I would give them Lovelace in it for the same price, because think of how think of how useful it's been to AMD that the p s four and Xbox one had GCN the entire time Nvidia was dominating market share. do you the question I ask myself, is Nvidia happy that devs are optimizing the Witcher three for Maxwell instead of Turing or ampere yeah. or Volta? <laughs> you know so that's what I wonder, but I just don't know what in i, I My understanding is Nintendo chose Maxwell because they weren't willing to spend an extra 10 bucks on, like, the Volt to die or something.
1: (laughs) That makes sense. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know I've been talking for a long time, like, kind of catching you up on my way of thinking here, but I'm like, I just, like, don't you think, though, it would have been cool if the Switch was... Not that weak, like, because I don't (laughs) think it would have. It has three gigs of RAM, I believe 3.2, and I think it has like a 256 CUDA core Maxwell die. Like, what if it was 512 Volta? What if it had six gigs of RAM? You can't tell me it couldn't have run every PS4 game. You know, it wouldn't have been as strong as the PS4, but it would have been close enough, you know, that they could squeeze every game on there. I, I guess what I'm saying is, do you think it matters though? Do you think it matters if the Super Switch has, you know, 16 gigs of RAM and is around the performance of a Series S or can it just have eight gigabytes and be half the performance again of the weakest Xbox? You know, like, I don't, do you think they can, do you think, which one do you think they're more likely to do and which one do you think they should do? Because I I don't think it costs more than like 50 bucks to double, triple its performance and give it enough RAM.
1: Yeah, I, I think in terms of, you know, market adoption, I I don't think it really matters what performance they give for it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's. But it would it would be really awesome if they do make a switch a super switch that's as super as possible because the switch is a really awesome like indie gaming platform, mm-hmm. and the more the more power that you give it in a situation like that, the more versatile it becomes for for, for that use case. So I think it would it would it would be awesome if they if they do if nvidia basically goes here is a more powerful one than you were willing to use that would be amazing but i feel like if that mm-hmm. doesn't happen nintendo is still going to sell huge amounts of the switch because its main draw isn't necessarily its 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 hardware power it's mm-hmm. more it's the ecosystem around that i feel like considering how much more expensive everything has become I, I mm. think it would be an interesting advantage for them to keep it as cheap as possible. But that additional performance... Because look, at, at the end of the day, Nintendo is... is they're, they're the ones that commission a lot of the games, right? People are making the games right. for the hardware that they have as opposed to, like, they have to provide the hard... Like, you know, like, people are going to make Nintendo games. <laughs> like, it's it's mm-hmm. it's... So I... I actually think a lower price point is more important
0: from um, a business perspective from, like they, they will be yeah. more successful
1: I, I I think so. I think they'd be, but i mean I'm sure they have uh like because one of, one of the points as well is if you have less powerful hardware, i don't know to what extent they consider this, but it technically makes it easier to make games for it because you don't have to you don't have to have like crazy um like graphics design budgets and whatever. Like your engines don't have to be. You can just use, like, because I mean I I don't know how much easier it is to make a game for the Switch than it is for a PS4, for example. Just purely Actually, from
0: here, it's very easy to make a game on the Xbox and PS4. I don't, you know, I've asked devs okay. this. Yeah, I did. I was at the Carolina Game Summit and I was talking to the Spirit of the North indie devs, and. They might come on the show too, but they, I talked to them in person, you know, what's the harder one to program for? I think they all had their own issues. OK, they there was a problem, I believe, with the PS4 in terms of communication to indie depths or something like okay. that, which is funny, because that was something if you remember the PS4 launch, Sony was just like, we love indies. <laughs> it just seems like Xbox is catered to that more since they've fallen behind in sales and that Sony's kind of neglected. That is my understanding. But overall, the console was OK uh to program for they said the switch was an absolute nightmare because of oh. how weak it is <laughs> oh that's interesting you have to really optimize the crap out of it to get it even to run. a game like spirit of the north you know this fox game they said they had to like completely remap levels to oh, get boy. it to work on there and that it, it i mean he said it was a he said he used the word nightmare you know okay. it was a nightmare to program on like, so,
1: so maybe it would be beneficial to for Nintendo to have more powerful hardware in the up and coming switch if it makes it easier for third party developers to to port games to it. So then they may be able to 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 host a bigger library of third party games.
0: Um, I, I think, yeah, and I think it's just coming down to nailing it because I'm not, look, I'm not one of these guys that is an idiot and doesn't understand how their business model works or thinks they need to beat the PS five in performance. No, that's not what I'm saying yeah, at yeah. all. I just think that uh, this is a pet peeve I've had with Nintendo design. I just feel like every generation, if they would have just done a couple knobs differently, they could have had way more performance. And again, like I told you with the switch, like, pay the $10 for pass yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, Double the sure. RAM to six gigabytes. Six gigabytes is enough. Like yeah. like the devs I talked to, they're like, like, how much more RAM would you have wanted? And they're like, any amount, 500 <laughs> megabytes more RAM. Like it was terrible. Like, so I don't know what that level is. Is 16 gigabytes going to be enough? If it launched right now, yeah, probably more than enough for a weak console. Is it enough in 2023? To keep up, I don't know. I think it probably is. But that's what I wonder, though, is if they will go with 16 gigabytes and then, like, I don't know, right? A thousand CUDA cores clocked low. And I think the rumor is 12 core CPU. That's ARM. Um, or will they go to, like, 500 CUDA cores? Because they do happen to know of a micro version of Orin that I think might have 256 or 512. Of course, <laughs> I'm real nervous <laughs> yeah. that they're going to go with something that's just again, like weaker than a PS4 or something insane, you know, but I don't know. I don't know where that inflection point is too. I don't know if like, if they gave it a good CPU and 16 gigabytes of Ram, if they could have something of, I don't know, a fifth as strong as a PS5, if it could technically run the games. Um, I guess the, the final thing to ask about that would be what do you, think about the form factor and battery life. Is that something that needs to be improved? Obviously the overall design probably won't change that much, but I mean, like what do you think it's too big? Do you think it could be smaller? Do you think the battery life needs to be any bigger?
1: So the the battery life, you know, better battery life is, is good. Um, But I, I think my, my main concern with the switch is ergonomically, not Mm. in terms of physical size, but in terms of the actual controllers, I, I hate them. <laughs> I, I really, really dislike them. So I think if if they could uh, find a way to keep that slim profile, but have a controller that doesn't basically give you carpal tunnel just from looking at it, that mm-hmm. would be really cool. Um, but extra battery life would, would it be It always amazing. costs
0: more, though. Batteries are expensive. Yes, do you think, that's true. Do you think it's a deal breaker right now that it has like a three-hour battery life, or do you think it's enough?
1: Uh, I think I think it's enough. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's okay.
0: It seems um, like that's what everyone's gravitated towards is three yeah. hours for a handheld. For whatever reason, it used to be five hours or people would get mad at you.
1: I, I think I think three is okay. Um, yeah, because the thing is, like, larger batteries also mean the thing has to be bigger and heavier. And, like, I, I, unless I get it. You,
0: unless you try to solve it with money, which you can always just spend more on a more expensive battery yes. that's lighter. but. Um, But it's but it's Nintendo. So, (laughs) yeah, that's I I, I agree. I'm like, I'm sure they just go for a similar battery life. I I would be surprised if it was a little better, but that's my guess. Um, We're almost to the end here. So I'm also under the impression an Xbox Series S refresh may come out at the end of next year. I don't know if you've heard about that or the PS5 Pro leak I did at all. That one actually got shared a lot on websites. I actually was a little mad because I feel like half of them misquoted me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, because you hear PS5 Pros coming and people went, it's too soon. And I was like, yeah, in 2023 or 2024. What what's that's not too <laughs> soon? What were you doing in 2018, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how far away it is. What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> like, um, but I actually heard that they might do a Series S refresh that's like 40% stronger on six nanometer. Just the same die. But okay. yields are good enough now that they can just give it the full compute units and faster RAM. And they might just try to keep that $300 price point with something that's half the performance of a Series S instead of a third. So I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Like, I also think if they do that, though, they got to give it more storage.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think that would be a very compelling option because I think the Xbox Series S is is already interesting. It, it's 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 quite weak and it's not like, but mm-hmm. i i think it's still an interesting like more entry level gaming option so if they can give that more performance and keep it at that price point it it, it would it would be huge i think it it would sell well as well because mm-hmm. it's
0: yeah, i've just always I felt can, it's just like that little bit too weak yeah. i love the idea but i'm like it, if it it doesn't even need a terabyte if it had 700 gigabytes of storage like just a little more storage if it just if it just could push out the frames a little better i've always felt like that's a killer product Mm, you know the funny thing is i don't know if you've heard this but they're using the series x apu literally for their servers like for x like they're the series x was dual purpose it has more teraflops for a reason it's because and two memory segments for a reason it's because they can give it 32 gigs of ram or no 22 gigs of ram they can double the 10 gig or the yeah, the six gigabyte portion to 12 and give it 22 gigabytes total. And they can like do four Xbox One streaming instances on a Series X in a server. My understanding is that's what they're doing with them right now. And that's why the Series S is so much easier to buy. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I, I don't know if I have anything else to say about that. I just, I just keep seeing reports of people going, I can't get a Series X, but the Series S is selling well. And I look it up and the Series S is in stock.
1: Yes, so... it is. Yeah.
0: Because they're not making X's for you guys. (laughs) Yes, yeah. I mean, I,
1: I, I feel like the PS5 in terms of the 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 Series X, I feel like the PS5 is the better option. Um, Hmm. But the Series S provides a budget alternative, and I think if they, I mean, to what extent could they make upgradable storage and options so that they can keep a lower price point with? The storage mm. that they have now, and then if you need more storage, well, they have upgradable something.
0: storage, but it costs two hundred dollars. You know. Oh, so you can't just
1: it. it it's like a, a an Xbox thing you have to buy. You can't. Oh, that's that's. Irritating.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. really annoying. <laughs> so in reality, is it really cheaper than the Series X? Because the second yeah. you get a terabyte oh. of storage added to it, it's more than a Series X.
1: <laughs> uh stuff like that's so irritating.
0: Vita <laughs> well, memory cards. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. Yeah. So is it, so you can't just drop
1: an NV, they, they can't just make it so that you can drop an NVMe drive in That's there? That's
0: not strictly true. Like you, j- the PS5, the Series X, and the Series S can all use a USB drive or external drive to run last gen games. Um, oh, and okay. I, and you can, on all of them now, I don't think it was true of the PS5 at launch, but I believe all three consoles now can back up a downloaded game to an external USB. Okay. So, and to put things in perspective, I know some people go a USB who would really use that. When I got the PS5, I got for $30 a USB 3.1 drive that was 256 gigabytes of storage and 30 bucks, 256 gigabytes, and it has 250 megabytes per second of bandwidth. So that's like a weak SATA drive for 30 bucks, plugs in the back of the console. It can't run the new next gen games, but it can run PS4 games. I don't really need to store more than six PS4 games at once yeah. <laughs> off of the main drive, so I I don't. It's probably not as big of a deal as you would think because you can do that with the Series S as well. But also, some games are over a hundred gigabytes, so that <laughs> see. But it, that's what I'm saying. Is that it had seven sixty eight gigabytes. It's like either you have enough or you don't. Mm-hmm. 512 gigabytes means they only have like 300 gigabytes of usable, meaning if you have Warzone, you can install another game. I mean, I don't, (laughs) you know, so like it's literally I feel like if they just added 200 more gigabytes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they can, but if they make it like 800 gigabytes, even that then and give it 50 percent more performance. That's when I think it just becomes a killer product.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially if they can keep that price point. It would Mm -hmm. it it would be really, really good. I think it would be really compelling.
0: The rumor is too, or what it sounds like to me is what they might do, is they might keep that price point with the upgrades and then take the old dies that are disabled and drop them down to 200.
1: Okay, okay, I I, I like the sound of that as well because mm-hmm. then, yo, that that would actually be really good so that you can get like for 200 bucks, you can get a usable gaming device.
0: Then I like, don't complain about the storage. Then yes. it's like, I'll put up with installing one game at a time, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see here. Tick Dickler writes in There's absolutely no way around it. The Series S is too weak. More than half of the X's price, one third of the teraflops, and seemingly can't even reliably push a fourth of the pixels. And I've still heard honest to God people say it's a better deal than the PS5 digital. How strong will the refresh be? Well, I've already answered that. Also, is Microsoft outbidding Sony now? The PS4 is outpacing the PS5 in sales all of a sudden. And those little sub Xbox One X bastards are everywhere. I feel <laughs> like we're seeing Tick Dickler favors one side over the other here. (laughs) Um, Well, I don't know if they're bastards. What I would say is you have to remember that my understanding is that logistics is causing the slowdown in PS5 production right now, and they don't like it at all. So I don't Mm. think they're outbidding them. Maybe there's some of that, though. See, I do think that Microsoft underestimated the demand for their consoles, though. Like, they thought Sony would run away with it, and they kind of did, but I don't know how much of that was Sony just made twice as many, you know? So I don't know. It does seem like it's easier to get Xbox consoles, though. So it still seems like Sony has a reason to make more. But um, uh, the other thing, though, is... If they're, if the, you see a bunch of those sub Xbox One X bastards around, <laughs> it's it's because the die size of the Series S is like almost half that. I think it's like two thirds that of a Series X. So they can just make more and there's shortages. So I do also believe another reason they're not making as many Series Xs right now is their overall goal is Game Pass. That's what they want mm. people to sign up for Game Pass. They don't care what you're on. They even put Halo on an Xbox One that's 1.3 teraflops. That's why they want Game Pass people. And if that means during a shortage, they can switch some of their capacity over from making three Series Xs three series S's, instead of two Series Xs, I think they're just deciding to do that. In terms of how weak it is, honestly, guys, the way I would describe it is it's a PS4 Pro with a next-gen SSD and, <laughs> and CPU. It really is. The graphic, like, there are some games like, uh, what is it? Is it uh, Resident Evil where the Xbox One version actually runs at a higher resolution xbox one x version one x version runs at a higher resolution than the series s it, it, it's weird because this it just has so much less bandwidth it really yeah. is actually a little weaker than the one x uh graphics card but a little oh, a little a lot stronger in the cpu yeah. <laughs> you know it's so funny by the way it's Just to throw this in here, since we were talking about the consoles, how quaint it was, I heard people saying Sony can't charge $600 for the PS5 because there's no way it will sell. (laughs) I think in terms of market perception, it's probably good they didn't, but I think we all know now the Series X and PS5 could have cost $600. I mean, come on. It could have. I mean, look at... uh, Anyways, though, final reader mails. KJM015 writes in, Seasons Greetings, Tom and David. Do either of you believe that 8K will ever become a practical resolution for consumers? If so, could next year's launches of RDNA3 and Lovelace be the first generations to provide a decent gaming experience in 8K? Uh, I think you define decent as 60 frames decent. If it doubles 3090 performance, I mean, yeah, it's probably a... Actually, Hardware in Box would say it's not. (laughs) 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 He would say that's still... A little weak for 8k if you really wanted to do it comfortably but i don't know do you think 8k david will ever be a practical resolution
1: i mean ever is a is a long time i feel like <laughs> i i yeah. feel like 10 15 years from now maybe like it's it's things get faster and monitors get higher k's in them so <laughs> I, yeah i think eventually i don't know if the next generation is gonna have you know, like decent performance, like you were saying, decent. So relative, if it can run 8K in the way that a 1080 could run 4K, then like, mm. yeah, that's that's okay. That's pretty decent. Um, but I don't. Yeah, think and it...
0: I think it might. That's an interesting analogy. Yeah, I'd say it probably will. You know, not a yeah. 1080 Ti, but a 1080. Probably. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's not too bad. I I, I gamed in 4K on a 1080 for a while, and it's mm-hmm. it's perfectly doable. Um, so the the problem then is just that 8K monitors are still going to be rare like you're not going to be able to buy an, an an affordable reasonable 8k monitor that you would buy over a lower resolution one mm-hmm. so i think it's probably going to take more generations than that but maybe eventually
0: well, that's the thing, too, is you already had when 1080p came out, people going, I can't see the difference between that and 720p. And I'm like, I can. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. But And then you had 1440p come out, and that was mostly fun, I feel like, because it was cheap Korean monitors at first, and mm. we'd been stuck on 1080p for so long. And then 4K came out, and people were like, I don't know if it's worth it. Actually, the first year, I feel like there was a 4K craze, actually. Everyone was excited. But the, after that, people were like, is it really worth it? Um, and I think now you have your 4K monitors that are finally at a reasonable price relative to 1440p where it makes sense. But it feels like that gap keeps getting smaller where people are willing to pay more for more resolution and people keep yeah. getting more happy. So I just can't see, like right now, I feel like people are okay to pay $600 for a 4K 120 monitor, certainly over $400 for a 1440p or even $500. I don't think they're willing to pay 1000 though. And mm-hmm. I don't think people will pay $1,000 for an 8K 120 monitor uh, if A 4K yeah. 120 is 500. I think no one will care at all. Yeah. No, that, it needs to be like true. What, how much? Like, And I think my brother Dan said, I will get an 8K monitor over a 4K one if the frame rate's the same. And if it's literally almost a negligible price increase, like <laughs> 20% more. Sure, I'll pay an extra 100 bucks for 8K.
1: Yeah. And I mean, th- that, that's the thing. The performance is not going to be the same. <laughs> like, that's the problem. Like, the, the additional resolution makes it so challenging. Like, with 4K high refresh rate, like, you need to buy a beast GPU to do that properly. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can get a pretty similar gaming experience with a much cheaper GPU on a 1440p monitor. And then the whole, like, I yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I feel like it's, it's going to be difficult to get consumers to move to 8K. I think just eventually it may end up getting to that point. But Mm -hmm. 1440p is already really good. And you don't have to pay 2000 bucks for a graphics card to run it. So,
0: And I I almost can't see myself going above like 5K because I've seen 5K displays and I can see the difference. It looks better. Mm. But again, I'm not paying twice as much for 5K over 4K. I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. Again, like, let's put things in perspective. The... 8900 XT will probably be more than capable of doing 8K at least 100. But would you rather do that or laugh at running 4K 120 or 4K 60? You know, like 160, I meant to say 4K 160. I don't or would you honestly like it gets to the point where it's like, would you rather run 8K 120 or run 4K 120 and put out half as much heat in your room? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because the difference is becoming so... And here's the thing, too, with like FSR, DLSS, soon XE super sampling, dynamic resolutions. I, I was looking at Halo benchmarks, and I was like, oh, really? They're getting low performance in those scenes? I just have dynamic resolution on my 3070, and I'm like, I can't tell. It's might as well be 4K the whole time to me. I, I can't see myself. You know, the, the Jaggies aren't there anymore like they were... You know, in the past, to the point yeah. that even the console games I look at, it's like, wow, no jaggies in a console <laughs> game. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, like that. That that lo- the law of diminishing returns is kicking in real hard with resolution.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, final question. Alexander writes him, do either of you have most anticipated games for 2022? And I actually want to go first because I said, yeah. My most anticipated game for next year is when Battlefield, Halo, and Age of Empires <laughs> 4 are finished. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, That's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I was talking to Dan about this the other day. God, it seems like most of the releases this fall are like the COVID games. These are the games that just don't seem to be finished. Yeah. Like last year's. They, they don't feel finished almost any game i played.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, although, Stalker 2. Stalker two. That's is on gonna, my list as well. Yeah, yeah that is because the I I I loved the first Stalker and like mm-hmm. Clear Clear Sky and stuff like the expansions were also, well, yeah, I guess expansion. I I don't quite know what you call that, but um, yeah. So I think Stalker definitely. um But the games that I mostly play are like, Tarkov and Dota. So that's like those games. You know, they're just always in development, basically. So.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, they're always a work in progress. And yeah, just yeah, still playing them. Yeah, I play a lot of Deep Rock Galactic. God knows I'll oh. probably just be playing that a ton still yeah. next year. I mean, yeah, I look at this, though. There's also what? God of War, Elden Ring, Horizon 2. Stalker 2 is on my list. Mm. There's some weird ones like The Little Devil Inside. And I'm under the impression ha- a lot there will be games next fall for sure that haven't been announced yet, too. And oh, Starfield yeah, yeah. next year, too. That'll be interesting to see how that pans out. There was also a, I saw
1: a, an announcement trailer for a for a Dune game, uh, and the the Dune I interviewed RTS is...
0: the 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 director of that game by the way on the podcast if you want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, is, could, are they? Is it going to be RTS? So here's the funny thing: I didn't know they were making an RTS game. The contract they have is to make three Dune games. Now most okay. people would assume that means a trilogy. What they did is they went back to them and they said, uh, "Wait." We noticed the contract is for three Dune games. Do they have to be the same genre? And they said no. So I think they're going to make an RTS and an online survival game that takes place 100 years before the movies. So they're just going to have an online survival kind of like Tarkov Dune game as well coming that they've already talked about publicly. I didn't know about this RTS one until I had that announcement. I was like, oh, so there's the second one.
1: Yeah, like I I am really excited for a decent RTS release because like the Dune, um, the Dune RTS games were awesome. Like back in the day, the old ones Mm -hmm. were really good. Um, so that would be amazing. I I also the
0: lore's combat kind of lends itself to an RTS where you have kind of drop ships and then melee combat combined with like artillery. It's kind of meant to be an RTS game, actually, when you think about it.
1: For sure it, it works super well is that like the 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 old dune rts games are some of my favorite games ever like really really good um so i'm, I'm excited for that that's that's another one
0: yeah yeah i think next year is going to be insane in terms of games hopefully they'll be finished but yes. <laughs> i feel like half of these games coming out next year too well, well yeah quite literally horizon God of War, those were 2021 games where they said it won't be finished in time and they decided to not pull a Battlefield. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like next year will be, the half of them will be the games that were going to come out this year, but they'll actually be finished and it's going to be crowded with a bunch of other games. I think next year is going to be like one of the best years of gaming releases in years, actually. Now that I look at this list, like I can't stop naming the amount of games that are probably coming out. And again, I'm sure there's games that they haven't announced yet that are coming out that fall.
1: I, I feel like that the game releases are more exciting than the hardware releases at this point. I know that we're we're biased as as hardware people, but <laughs> like yeah. this this is yeah they all look really good. I'm I'm excited for for gaming.
0: Yeah yeah, there's nothing more fun for me than when I'm talking to a contact at Sony or Xbox, and I'm like just asking about how the hardware works, and then they're just like, by the way, you want to know something about metal gear solid thing right there like and i'm just like yeah i do i care way more about that than this freaking graphics card actually said what's coming (laughs) you know you know that type of stuff is way more interesting to me and um yeah there's there's some yeah there's some really cool stuff coming um but i you know that's it we went on for a very long time i think it tends to happen that way with us Um, The fact is, though, there really is so much to discuss next year. I know we're excited probably mostly for the games, but (laughs) if you think about it, let me just make the list one more time for everybody. Rembrandt, low-end and mobile Alder Lake, and then Zen 3D, and then you're going to have refreshes of 6 nanometer RDNA 2 and Ampere, and then you're going to have RDNA 3, Lovelace, Raptor Lake, Zen 4, and possibly a new Xbox. And possibly a new Nintendo console. We'll certainly have rumors of the Nintendo console. If it's not out by then, I'll I'll say that. Um, So the news next year is going to be insane. (laughs) Whatever you're seeing, uh, the way I would put it is what combine every... Literally, yeah. I mean, like, combine everything we've had come out in 2020 and 2021. That much news just next year. So... (laughs) uh, there's half of me that's just like I'm excited because I'm not gonna have to try hard to come up with content ideas (laughs) there's the other half of me that's like uh I don't know if my family's gonna see me that much next year (laughs) (laughs) but um I really did appreciate you coming on to speak with me about this again like you have before David um hopefully Hopefully, there will be one episode we do during the end of a year where we're not talking about pandemics and yes. horrible things yeah. happening. Hopefully, next the end of next year, we'll be happier, which it's an election year. Never mind. But it'll oh, be a good time. Oh, a... yeah, that's... <laughs> Never mind, but we'll try to just keep it happy when we're talking about it. Um, yeah, why don't you plug your, your your channel or whatever you want? You know, what do you want to plug?
1: Um, If, yeah, like, come watch (laughs) if you want to see uh things be played with and accidentally broken every now and then more often than not actually um Mm
0: -hmm. yeah well and you know i'll say like i check your videos here and there you're you're very funny like your videos (laughs) are very i like how you oh really (laughs) (laughs) like like your videos are very very well done when you do test things it's tested well there's a lot of channels that i don't think, nail the testing part when they try to be funny. And I can't, I, you have a very good channel and I, it's been cool to see your channel really take off this year. And I think there's no surprise. You've made it fun to talk about hardware, even if you can't get it.
1: <laughs> well, most I mean,
0: channels couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's because
1: I, I go and buy the stuff. Like if it means that the stuff that I, that mm. I talk about is stuff that you can go buy in a shop that's so I, I really prefer doing it that way. Cause then I can also make STD jokes about it without the comp- <laughs> without the company right. getting angry, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'll happily go buy the thing. Um mm-hmm. and then I feel like it 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 forces you to look at relevant hardware, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, your channel's name is David. Does tech stuff. You will definitely <laughs> yeah. find it if you just Google it, let alone put it into YouTube. I can't recommend it enough. And uh I mean, this should be coming out right before New Year's Eve. We have a fun year coming up. Thanks for coming on, David. And thank you to everybody for listening. Have a good and a safe New Year's Eve. Yes. Thank you for having me. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon, co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors, you can support at www.mooreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on broken silicon, die shrink, and loose ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover States podcasts and other projects, Moore's Law's Dead is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Law's Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums, and give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Anthony Gareffa, GUK, Benny Berlin, Justin Yacht, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lina Jim, Ivan K., Tom Bailey, Muhammad Al Frederick Lau, Lin Lee, Justin Paris, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Jada Full, Phil S., D31337 Antics, Jackson A. Miller, Jesse Jeskowiak, Josh Law, JB Jing, Travis Gooding, Mechanical Philosopher, Lee King Kilo, Fatboy Dizru, Daniel Hyde, Guy PA81, Nathan Mose, Cole Addict, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, F7GOS, Matthew Landavazo, My Name is Nobody, Judson N. Alethros, Jensen Wang, hey there's a kitty Greg T. Wanchek Rend Taro Matt Sukata, John Jameson Sam Venzel, Matthew Lane Mark Raidmaker Jan Rauner Chris Licata Michael McGee Meyer Tech Rance, Eric Jackson Jonathan Patrick Grode 3DS Boy 08 Dominique Koch, Stefan, Original Ross, Sandy Garrido, Sound Joaquin Joachim Hagen, Teak Autumn, Sol Connor, Michael Casa, Andrew S., Z Jits, Aaron Keith, Gregory S. Acker, Endless Loggins, Tom Sanfilippo, Justice Brennan, Zutsu Taylor, Trevor Powers, Stu, Elenia, Nanya, Daniel Nishwal, Franco Frederic, Dan Galinowski, Ian Clifford, Alex Axel Cisneros, Layton Perry, Joseph Caraman, Brett Summers, Blake, Denovan Russell, No uh, Coella, Zlicki, Martin Porceghi, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Hulam, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canoas Jr., Stephen Coates, Kiwi Phil, Brucha, Jeremy So, Michelle Pell, Brett Summers, Eddie Del Castillo, Joseph Loria, Luis Correa, Deke, Cheesy Ramen Tyler Lindley Tim Robbins Jake Dude 23 Brian Riggleman Justin Gower Caillou Mark Kelly Falco Malev Gabe Lagner Ronnie DNA Tech Michael Deaton MJB1 Maurice Courtois Wesley Sager Sarcastro Mai Sharona Y.Trui Roman D- William W. Draper Air Rat Spamton G. Spamton Henry Zhang Stephen Hart Christopher A. Butler Greg Peter Moore Amy Will Chief Justin Thomas Sam Miller Semi Malas James Anderson Shakir Nick Raikin Holden Mobley Matthew Lazier R.P. Sharma. Meat and Pork Jimmy and G. Mads Gordon Freeman Benjamin Oshley Mark Mitchell Shield TV, Couteau, Aaron w- John Wissing, Mohammed, Jean Debunt, Pulse Media, Sean Ashmont, Daniel Dewar, Steven Jang, JSMMH, Georgi Kastaninov, PCBs 22 Reginald Ari, Nara Thiel, Ivan, Charles Russell, Hal Buma, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.